0: Welcome back to the Out of the Box podcast. It is the episode you have been waiting for. It is the episode we have been waiting for. It has been two long years since we last reacted to an NCAA tournament bracket here on the Out of the Box podcast. And we are primed and ready to do so once again. I'm Gray Robertson. That is my partner, Tom Canterbury. Tom, hello. How are you? Are you ready to drop some vocab tonight? What's up? I'm ready to go. As as much as things have changed
1: in the last two years, it's amazing how many things have remained the same. And uh, and one thing that remains the same is that the NCAA committee terrible at their job at making a, a softball bracket.
0: The big story, the top four overall seeds, Oklahoma, number one, UCLA, number two, Alabama, number three, Florida, number four. We'll get to the rest of the national seeds overall. But, Tom, Alabama, the number three overall seed. That is where I had the Crimson Tide going into selection night. That's where a lot of pundits had Alabama going into the bracket release. But Tuscaloosa Regional, which we're going to break down in just a bit, is intriguing. You've got the three-seed Troy, the four-seed Alabama State. We both thought those two would come. And the two-seed, the ACC champions, Clemson a team that did not have a great resume but had a gaudy record and has maybe the National Freshman of the Year wow. in Valerie Cagle, who was both the ACC Freshman and Player of the Year this season. So, Tom, again, for the second time we've done this reaction pod, we were not together. You were watching. I was watching. So I'm getting, for the most part, your thoughts on this bracket for the first time here as we record. So please, Tom. Take it away. What were your thoughts? Not just on the Alabama part of the bracket, but the entire thing as it was unfolding on ESPN2. Well, as far as Alabama, I'm fine with Alabama being the three seed.
1: I thought that that's a proper seed for them. I was a little surprised Oklahoma got the one over UCLA at number two. But, I mean, I can see the argument being made for both, but I thought Oklahoma was going to be two, and Alabama actually might have had a chance to jump ahead of Oklahoma Based on their strength of schedule. Uh, but, you know, the I, I'm I'm okay with it. It, is, is, it wouldn't be what I've done, but I, it wasn't uh, the worst being Oklahoma with number one, UCLA two, although that does uh, mean that I was correct on one of my landmine gold mines. So I, I will take that. As far as Alabama's region, I find it very hard to believe that Clemson, as the ACC champion, you're right, they didn't have. The, the best resume overall as far as strength of schedule, things like that. But the ACC regular season champion who lost being just being both tournament and conference champion in the regular season by a one nothing defeat to Duke in the championship game of the ACC championship, I find it hard to believe they're seeded number 29 in this tournament because the way that the the seeds pretty much go down is, you know, the one is the host, the three and the four are either automatic bids or lower at-larges that can bust to that area. But the two can be anybody. You can look at the other regions, and distance was not a fact for the most part uh, on who the number two is in that region. So you're basically really seeding it one through 32. So as a three overall seed, Alabama should be hosting as the number two seed in that regional the number 29 overall seed. And I'm sorry, Clemson is not the 29th overall seed. That is a ridiculously tough draw for the number three overall seed for Alabama to bring Clemson in. You can look at several regions going down. The one that jumps out to me is the Missouri regional at number eight overall. It's much easier, much easier. And there are several seeds throughout the tournament that have a lower seed than Alabama's that get a much, much easier draw with their two-seed in the region.
0: The problem is, as much as we would like for the bracket every year to be the snake at the S-curve, I Mm -hmm. feel like, for the most part, we see it be inconsistent. We have seen some years where busing with the two-seed is taken into consideration, and we have seen some years where it is not. And I feel like this year there was just some collateral damage and I feel like Clemson is a part of that. And it's not fair to them. Honestly, here, here's my complaint. My complaint is for Clemson, right? I'm not, I'm not particularly concerned for Alabama. I'm just saying it's not fair to Clemson. I totally agree. It's, it's, it's ludicrous that conceivably, like you're saying, Clemson would be viewed as low twenties, high thirties, in the committee's eyes because they're better than that. I was talking to a lot of people who think that if Clemson scores two runs on Saturday, they are hosting. Right. And now they have to go to the number three national seed. And it's interesting because this breaks down into such a deeper systemic problem with this bracket that can't be fixed in a year. It's got to be like, there are things that have to change overall to get to where busing never has to be a consideration again a part of it is making softball a revenue sport in general and we're getting close to that but it's not there yet it, there are just so many factors that play into clemson having to come to alabama and i i hate it for clemson but i don't know what say what you want to say tom
1: i would say i i do understand that i mean it's not going to be an exact s curve because there's so many different factors that go in there is you don't want teams from the same conference playing each other uh you don't You so there is some of those factors but it's not enough for you know Clemson. It could be anywhere from 32 to say 25, maybe. But even 25 is too low for them. Like you said, that they, they were a game away from hosting in most people's eyes. That there is so many different the other ones that jump out to me. I, it seemed as though uh, that the committee was bound and determined to we are going to have Texas and Oregon play regardless. Like this, we have this. We have this narrative then we have this uh, you know baked in a storyline with mike white and we're going to make this happen and again oregon's not busting to austin uh so it didn't yeah. come into effect there but th- what the issue is like you said it's not softball not being a true revenue generating sport it and it doesn't have the scrutiny on it from the national media or other people we're, we're trying to build one we're, we're doing it <laughs> but you know it, it takes a while but that say the men's basketball tournament does the men's basketball tournament used to have a lot of issues like this, but there's been so much scrutiny on it that it's pretty much, you know, streamlined out to where we can pretty much figure it out. And there's not these huge discrepancies in, in the projections and what the actual tournament ends up being. There's not that for softball. And because of that, we have committee members or people that are involved that really don't know the sport that aren't, following it on a regular basis that maybe watch it on the last week of the season and see, Oh, they, these, these teams are playing well, put them in. These teams are, you know, that they look at numbers. They don't do a true eye test. It's not fair for the people that have built the sport up to be what it is. And, and the players, the athletes, uh, the coaches, everyone involved, they deserve to have competent people making the NCAA tournament bracket.
0: And from what we've seen, that's not happening. Other winners and losers from the bracket. Winners, mid-major at-larges, Kennesaw State sneaks in. We saw Mm -hmm. USF sneak in. We saw South Alabama. South Alabama, Troy, they both got in. Uh, That was at the expense of a team like South Carolina, which, frankly, I was really shocked to not see them in the field. And I know that people are going to say, well, Gray, that's SEC bias. But, I mean, if you look at the resume – Kennesaw State's resume is better in one area than South Carolina's. That was non conference strength of schedule, which, you know, mm-hmm. we think that metric shouldn't have been totally taken into account this year as heavily as normal. Right. And again, a credit to Kennesaw State because I think they've actually got a really fun draw this week. They've played every team that they could see this week in the Tallahassee Regional, but that was a little confusing to me. And then also the big losers here, I think, were the Pac 12. And I think a winner because of the Pac-12 losing was Texas, who, in my opinion, had absolutely zero business being a 12 seed. I had them out as a host. Multiple people did. It wasn't just me. And Texas snuck in as the number 12 overall seed for little to no reason. I can't find the data that backs up that choice. Oregon's resume, top to bottom, is better than Texas's. And Oregon is going to Texas this week. A lot of people were talking about Washington getting hosed as a 16 overall seed. I can come up with at least somewhat of an argument to back that up. I think it's ridiculous, but there is a somewhat numerical argument to suggest that Washington being the 16 makes sense. I can't find anything that backs up Texas being a 12 seed and in particular being a host ahead of Clemson, Oregon, and being ranked ahead of Washington, Arizona State, and even a Kentucky team that I had out. Yeah, there's a lot of head
1: scratchers there. I keep going back and forth on my thoughts on Washington doing the walkout during the selection show uh, because anyone that listens to this podcast know Washington's not my favorite. I'm not. I'm not a big fan uh, of the Huskies. So I kind of, in some ways, I like. I respect it. Like I understand you think you got hosed. You're not going to celebrate like it, like that, like they want you to. Uh, but on the other hand, it kind of makes you look like a crybaby. So it's kind of, you know, I kind of go back and forth with it. But I agree. They, I don't think they should be a 16. I could maybe see, you know, similar to what happened in 2019, if if Florida and Alabama had been flipped, Florida if Alabama had been the five and Florida had been the eight, the bracket looked pretty good. Mm-hmm. If you maybe flip Texas and Washington, you can kind of see a little bit more of an argument there. It just that it, it makes, you know, I totally agree. Texas makes no sense at a 12. It's hard, you know, Michigan probably deserves to be a top 16, but again, the Big Ten screwed themselves over so much. It's hard to make a real good argument there. USF, I, I don't see how they get in when you look at the different parameters there. Um, I've seen people say, well, it's because their coach is the uh, Olympic coach and this is an Olympic year and they want to. I really don't think the committee has an agenda. I just think they're bad. Like, I I don't, I don't think, I just think they're incompetent. I don't think they're trying to do things other than the agenda of Texas and Oregon playing each other was pretty much the only one that I saw overall. Also, I saw people complaining about it being such an SEC love fest. Well, I mean, it was kind of deserved that it was an SEC love fest there. You know, they're from top to bottom have been the best conference. And by the way, similar to football, the SEC is one of the main reasons we got to play a full season.
0: Yeah, they played a regular season, as did the Big 12 for the most part. So, and you look, which two conferences really got rewarded the most, the SEC and the Big 12. And I will say, as I go back to the Pac-12 argument, something else I always say, I've beaten the dead horse, Tom. Head-to-head has to matter, right? I say that every show when I do bracketology. And at times, it did in this bracket, except with the Pac-12. I was very perplexed when I saw 11 seed Arizona being ranked four and five spots higher than Arizona State. Those are two teams that Arizona went a combined one and five against. One and five. Yeah. Cool. They split with Oregon, but lost the Pac 12 series, quote unquote, Oregon unseated. So I'm confused. I know Arizona went and actually played teams in Florida. They did a really nice job trying to schedule something in the non-conference. They got a game out of three against Florida State. Good for you. Right. didn't beat the Pac-12 teams, and they got seated ahead of them because of metrics. And what is confusing to me is this would have been a great year to start shifting what the focus should be for the committee. They should actually be looking at the results and not the RPI, which – just continues to make me want to rip my hair out yeah washington 16 17 in the rpi don't look at me in the face and tell me that when that team takes a the field they're the 16th or 17th best team in the country it's just not true it's yeah. just not true so this could have been a great year for the committee to start shifting what they actually look at to put this bracket together to start actually using the results that we see on the field and make that a factor more so than it's ever been to make head-to-head more important than it's ever been and they didn't, and that is what's really disappointing to me about all this, and I I understand why the Pac-12 is where they are, but at the same time, this was a weird year, and we were supposed to make adjustments because of that, and I feel like the committee made this bracket as if it were a normal year, and it just wasn't.
1: Yeah. I think to be able to do what you're saying and also take in the quote-unquote eye test, uh, on different players and different teams, you have to have true softball experts as part of your your committee, and you don't. I'm sorry, you just don't. You you have people that are ads that kind of rotate on and off. It's just it's the makeup of this committee is not
0: conducive to creating the best possible bracket. Um, there is one softball coach on the committee. The rest are SWAs and people right. in athletic departments who are assigned to softball who right. might, you know, cover a team, but that doesn't necessarily right. mean they know anything about the sport.
1: Right. Uh, so, yeah. So it's hard to do an eye test when you don't really know what you're looking at. Uh, but that's why you have a committee. If, if you were if we're only if you can't use the eye test. Remember, that's what was said in 2019. We can't use the eye test. If we can't use the eye test, why do we have a committee? Just seed it based on the RPI. If that's all we're using, just use the RPI, eliminate the ones that, you know, that don't fit in the top 64, but are, you know, automatic bids and and make the cutoff and just seed it straight based on the RPI. If that's all we're going to use or create a, you know, a net ranking like we use in basketball or things like that. But even in basketball, there's that net ranking, which is so much better than the RPI. But even with that, it's not the end all and be all. It's a tool that that selection committee uses to create the field of sixty eight. Why we can't do that in softball, I, it is beyond me. There are plenty of people that know this game and can either you know they're not specifically tied into a team, or if they are, they're an administration, they're not a coach that can help build this thing and make it a a true, properly seated bracket because it's it's one of if not the best postseasons in all of sports but you know we're, we're creating it to where we're going to have gabby playing against oklahoma in super regionals if everything goes to chalk that shouldn't be in super regionals that should be in the
0: world series mm-hmm. i have to throw in one more complaint before we get to the tuscaloosa regional tom i'm going to read you four of the eight potential super regional matchups yeah missouri tennessee oklahoma state texas Alabama Kentucky UCLA Arizona State why just no. why like there's no I, I don't understand and the committee says every year we don't look at that maybe you should start like, looking at like it. don't right we're not trying to schedule these games try not to you know how this easily could have been fixed let's uh let's see you could bump Arizona State to the 14, bump Kentucky to the 15, boom. You've got Alabama, Arizona State in supers and UCLA, Kentucky. It's much better. Yeah. Much better. That's already a, a flip, by the way. And oh, and I also didn't mention, let's say the host team Georgia wins against Duke. They're matched up with Florida. So why are we trying to set up these interconference matchups in supers? Let's do our best to mm. avoid that. Right. And why I mean, do we want to watch these specific matchups anyway? We've seen Alabama and Kentucky four times. We saw UCLA kick the crap out of Arizona State earlier this year, a four-game sweep. Oklahoma State swept Texas. Like, where's the intrigue there? Missouri and Tennessee played in the last week of the regular season. What? Right. Where? Why? I mean, why? And, and, and we talked to our friend Brian
1: Rice from the Tennessee Radio Network. It happens to them all the time. Like, they play an SEC team in Super Regionals all the time. (laughs) Anything else you want to add
0: about the bracket, Tom, overall? I It's hard because with more thought – I'm really glad we did the show tonight instead of the night of the bracket release because I was really angry last night. I was just really confused. With more thought, I can understand a couple more things. But what it boils down to is we're looking at the wrong metrics in this sport and – we're playing by unfortunate rules. The busing rule sucks and it's got to change because while that is still in effect, the intrigue will never be able to rise to the level that it can be with this sport. And my mission this off season, I'm going to try and come up with a new metric besides the RPI. I don't know what it's going to be. I'll Mm. bust out the calculator. I'm going to spend my free time working on it, but there's got to be a better way. And we can to live by these antiquated rules. Right. I mean,
1: we're seeing better ways done in men's basketball and women's basketball. Like we said, they got the net. And now we are seeing there are companies that are being founded to help teams schedule so they get the best net. And it is helping team. It helps. It's helped Alabama in men's basketball. That is the type of thing that needs to come around in softball like you said this year was a weird year it, it was hard to schedule it was hard to, to get that good non-conference and it is it is like you said is unfair that they are still using the same normal metrics on a year like this year hopefully everything is back to basically normal next year and it would be a great time to introduce some different metrics and make it um, just make it a more fair I don't I don't want to be the guy that always just rails on the committee and, and this is, is anti everything goes on. I think it's going to be a great tournament the, the the, the brackets have some real exciting matchups that we're going to break down and talk about. And I'm really excited for it. It just, and the fact that I, I don't do the bracketology like you do. So I don't get like, cause I, I think sometimes with, when people do bracketologies, I'm not saying you, but when people do bracketologies, they kind of get married to the bracketology. And if it doesn't go that way, then it's wrong. And I'm not that way on it. I I just I can see so many that are just seated wrongly. It's just it's just bad, and and could have been fixed so easily. Like you said, like you know, bumping one person up and one person down, we get totally different matchups, and and it's a much better tournament. Mm. Uh, It's gonna it's gonna be great. It could be even better.
0: Well, it's gonna be fun in Tuscaloosa, Tom. We've got Alabama State, Troy, and Clemson coming to Rhodes. Alabama has won 40 straight regional games. That is a streak that dates back to many years ago. It's so long, I couldn't even calculate it in my (laughs) head. But you've got two teams that you've seen already in Alabama State and Troy. Congratulations to the Hornets who ran through the SWAC tournament, went on that run. Todd Bradley, really, you know, I told you this before our TV game in Tuscaloosa for Alabama, Alabama State, Coach Bradley said, when we win our conference, And they did just that. So congrats to the Hornets. Troy, a really good sunbelt team. Leanna Johnson, one of the best arms in the entire mid-major country and certainly one of the best strikeout pitchers in all of America. And Clemson, who is good but has never been at a stage like this, I think it is a favorable regional for Alabama. I feel like outside fans will be blown away by Clemson's ranking. They were top ten just a couple days ago. But Mm -hmm. I I think this does – bode well for the crimson tide this draw because they've already beaten two of these teams and clemson they're the new kids and they've got one really great player and some talent behind her but i'm not sure they've got the talent to match alabama
1: Yes, I would like to introduce Clemson to Montana Fouts and see how that works out for them. So, yeah, I, I agree. I think it's a it's a favorable matchup for Alabama, as unfair as it is to Clemson. Um, but, yeah, it's going to be – I think it's still going to be a fun regional. That Troy-Clemson game, I think, is going to be really good. First game on this type of big stage, you know, it's not automatic that Clemson plays Alabama. they got to get through Troy first, and Alabama's got to get through by Alabama State. But – if it goes to chalk you get Alabama Clemson in that winner's bracket game and it's a situation for Alabama where uh, it would be great if you get Lexi Kilfoyle to pitch against Alabama State just kind of get her uh, back into the swing of things because I still think she's going to be important for Alabama going down the stretch as far as getting some depth behind Montana Fouts in the circle and then just for the offense just to keep rolling like it is right now and continuing to pass the pass the bat down and score runs runs and bunches and um they're going to get quite a test from clemson uh if that ends up being the matchup uh with that freshman you were talking about i think it'll be a fun time for alabama to play clemson that's always big and no matter what sport it is uh and it's a chance to play somebody you haven't seen yet And it's going to be like i said one of the few times that'll happen until you get deeper into the postseason
0: The question we always have to ask in these regionals, can any of these teams beat the seeded team twice? And I think there are teams in this Tuscaloosa regional that have the talent to beat Alabama once. Could I see a world where Alabama loses twice to one of these teams? No. Yeah, I'd be shocked. Uh, It would be a big surprise. Yes. You know, Alabama's going to have to play,
1: play well. You don't want to fall into that situation where you have to, you know, have that winner-take-all type of matchup, though. If you're Alabama, the goal, as always, is just stay in the winner's bracket and, and just keep rolling. And, um, you know, from what we saw this past week in the SEC tournament, it's Alabama moved themselves back up, like you said in, in the in the broadcast, moved themselves back up into the, to the big two, big three, big four, however many it ends up being as the legit national championship contenders. And, you know, part of that, is taking care of the business that you got to take care of in regionals. And I look forward to Alabama doing that.
0: Should be fun. Those will begin Friday, Alabama and Alabama state six o'clock Eastern time, five central Troy Clemson, two o'clock central time. I'm going to get there early time. That Troy Clemson game is going to be a ton of fun to watch. Yeah. I'm, I'm definitely spending all day Friday at the Rhodes house. Mm. So, we're at the plate now, Tom, but as we get ready to advance to first, I'm ready to break down this bracket. Are you? Uh, yes, let's do it. I, our our grievances have been aired. The farcicalness of the
1: bracket has been shown, and now we will talk about it. It, it is what it is.
0: It is. We, we've got the bracket, and now we just roll with it. And yeah. I mean, if we're going to have to deal with it, there are, like you said, some really intriguing things about this NCAA tournament. So it's time to advance to first. Tom, who are we? You know, you know who we are? We're SEC tournament team member Taylor Clark. I was about to suggest <laughs> Taylor Clark. We're going to talk more about her later on. Maybe the best story of the last couple weeks. Just what a run she's on. Could, literally
1: could not be more proud of what Taylor Clark has done and what she did here this past week, helping Alabama win the SEC tournament.
0: We're Taylor Clark. We're hitting bombs, driving in runs late in games, and we're advancing to first here on the Out of the Box Podcast. When we come back, we will break down the left side of the bracket. Oklahoma's over there. Could they face a challenge in regionals? Probably not, but we'll discuss it just to see here on the Out of the Box Podcast. Welcome back to the Out of the Box Podcast, we're advancing to first, and I hope all of you have a bracket in front of you, either on your laptop, on your phone, or printed out. I've got like eight printed out at the house already. The entire family is filling one out, dang it, all right? I'm not letting anyone get by. Everyone is filling out a bracket this week. I want to see if I'm actually smart, or if my sister, who doesn't follow the sport at all, can beat me that's how it usually works (laughs) yeah but we're going to start on the left side this is the exact same format as the release show that we did two years ago because it was i think our still our most listened to episode so why mess with what is working so well (laughs) we will begin with the number one overall seed oklahoma they will be joined in the norman regional by four seed morgan state and then the two three matchup wichita state and texas a&m So, Tom, a lot of intrigue here. We saw Wichita State a couple weeks ago get run-ruled by Oklahoma. They would win the American Athletic Conference and the conference tournament. A&M is playing maybe as well as anyone in the country in the first six innings and then losing in terrible fashion the last couple weeks. I mean, obviously, you would think Oklahoma is heavily favored here, but I do feel like comparatively... To most years there are more pitfalls here potentially for a number one overall seed than usual. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of a tough two, three, which I'll say Texas A and M teams that have
1: the talent have the ability maybe in a one game scenario of, of beating in Oklahoma, I'd be shocked to see anybody beat them twice. Like you've yeah. talked about, but Wichita state's been one of the, the, the bigger, the better stories of the year coming up from, from some issues in the last few years and, and, I remember we talked about before that regular season matchup that Wichita State might be one of the teams that had a chance to beat Oklahoma in the regular season. So, and they've seen them, they've studied them. So um, maybe they can give Oklahoma some,
0: some issues. I would be surprised, but it's possible. A&M has the pop to maybe hang around with OU. Now to be fair, A&M's got like two home run hitters. OU has nine. Right. In their starting lineup, <laughs>
1: Her- Herzogson has to have just a unbelievable game, both probably at the plate and in the circle, for them to be able to beat Oklahoma.
0: Yeah, obviously heavy favorite Oklahoma, but I do feel like there is at least a little bit of intrigue there. Which normally, when we look at the number one overall seed in their regional, it is pretty cut and dry. There could at least be a loss that you could predict here in the Norman regional, although I'm not going to go that far. Let's go to the number 16 overall seed and where it gets super interesting. Teams disrespected everywhere. You've got the 16 overall seed, Washington, the two seed in that regional, the Big Ten champs, Michigan, the team that I said, and I think everyone who knows softball agrees is the biggest wild card in this whole dang thing. Three seed, Seattle U, four seed, Portland State. No offense to Seattle U and Portland state should be quick exits for those two teams because Washington has Gabby playing. They've got a good offense, really solid bats, a great defense led by sis Bates. Bailey Klinglers have an incredible year. Michigan has the one, two punch in the circle of Megan Bobian and Alex Tarocco who strike out everybody. So I'm excited to watch that matchup two, maybe three times this weekend.
1: Yeah, I think it, it should be a really good matchup, and I'll be interested to see because that's the the wild card. Like I said, the, the big unknown is what is Michigan, really. We know what they are against Big Ten teams. They haven't played anybody else. So we'll see what the fact that they'll have to actually get on a plane and go somewhere and uh, and see how they do. Tough place to play in Seattle. And, you know, yeah, it should be a quick exit for the others too, but remember we're, we're a, also a,
0: a satellite podcast of the seattle of university seattle university don't forget that we uh, had them that one time and they tweeted us back so that was fun
1: that they're followers of the podcast and we appreciate it. but yeah like they say it's going to come down to washington and michigan you got two teams that are upset you have washington that's upset that they're down at 16 you have michigan who's upset that they weren't a host team uh who is able to use that to their advantage and who maybe uses that And it becomes a disadvantage because I always talk about, you know, the year that Minnesota was ranked number one and they ended up having to come to Alabama, uh, didn't get a host seed and and came to Alabama as a 16. And Minnesota never got over it. They were still upset about it, but not utilizing it to their advantage. They were just upset and felt like they were screwed over the entire time. And it did not help them. Uh, We'll see if either Washington or Michigan can kind of use it to their advantage.
0: What's interesting about this, Tom, Michigan, as I said, has two pitchers. Washington has one that they really trust. That's Gabby Plain. They've got some young talent. I think Sarah Willis has a bright future, but would I pick her right now in the circle to beat Michigan? I'm not sure. So if Michigan can win a game against Washington and against Gabby Plain, can Gabby Plain win two immediately after that? to win the regional. I think that's the most intriguing part of this because Washington's pitching depth has been the concern all year. Washington is a 16 seed because they lost games where the other pitchers were pitching. So yeah. if Gabby plane loses a game early, say in that Saturday winner's bracket game, could that already be the end? Who knows? I mean, we'll see. It's very interesting. I think though, that sometimes he wants to kind of
1: discount some of these elite pitchers though. We just saw Montana Fouts pitch on three straight days and look better on game in day three than she did on day one. True. So, you know, I could see you know, Heather Tarr just taking that other pitcher out of the out of the
0: equation and just it's Gabby after after your game one win, it's Gabby playing the rest of the way. All right, let's move down on the left side to the number nine national seed, the Tennessee Lady Vols. And Tom. As I did in 19, I've got two regionals of death, one on each side. This is my left side regional of death. Tennessee, the number nine overall seed, four seed Eastern Kentucky, a team Tennessee has played this year. In one of the games, they won by a single run. And then the 2-3 matchup, Liberty, who has been – Tennessee beat them earlier this year, but Liberty has been a fly in the ointment for plenty of Power 5 teams this year – And James Madison, another team that is a real question mark because their strength of schedule outside the 200s, because they played a little bit of non-con, mostly just CAA teams. They're really good right now, statistically. Do they have the goods to go in there and beat Liberty and Tennessee with Ashley Rogers hopefully healthy for the Lady Vols? I don't know. All I know is this to me is pretty close to a toss-up. It's a, it is a tough draw for the Lady
1: Balls, to say the least. James Madison, a little bit similar to the Big Ten situation with with the Colonial only playing a very limited number of non-conference. We, it, we really don't know what James Madison is, but you know we think they should be good. Uh, so we'll see what they do against Liberty. And yeah, that, that is a tough draw because I think if you're Ashley Rogers, you know, we saw Montana Fast do three straight days. We saw Ashley Rogers or Karen Weekly, one or the other, say no. We're not going to do a third day for Ashley Rogers. If she's not capable of that, then a Cali Turner game is going to have to be won at some point during this regional. And we'll, we'll see if they can get it done.
0: Mm, that's going to be a fun one. It's going to be a really, really exciting regional, by the way, I'm just going to go ahead and say this folks. If you're ready to listen to Alabama softball this weekend, get ready for all of the out of the box podcast, scoreboard updates, because good Lord, I'm going to give y'all updates on every single, everything that happens. The stat broadcasts of every regional will be up on my computer. This is, yeah, this is the best weekend all year long, probably. Just because it's like the,
1: you know, the first two days of the NCAA basketball tournament. You can just, it's on all
0: the time. You got all the games going on and we will keep you up to date on all of them. The number eight overall seed is Missouri. I will say this. I was very happy I nailed one thing and that was predicting Missouri to host as a top eight seed missouri number eight overall the draw i think is really easy i'm just going to be honest i don't want to say easy as in these are bad teams because it's the postseason everybody's good but i feel like missouri's got the edge on the other three teams in the columbia regional that would be illinois chicago led by kayla Weddle, iowa state with sammy williams really great bat that pitching staff a little suspect And Northern Iowa, one of the at-larges that snuck in. Again, good team. They've got some good players. But Alabama run-ruled them earlier this year with their number five pitcher, you could argue, in the circle. So (laughs) I think that Missouri's got a huge edge here this weekend. And I think, frankly, looking ahead a little bit, Tennessee a good matchup too. Larissa Anderson's got to be feeling pretty good about her team's chances to go to OKC. Yeah, I mean, getting that top eight seed in the matchups that she got. Like
1: I said, this is one of the ones that I looked at and said, how does the number eight overall seed get, get this regional when Alabama's the three seed gets the regional they get? Uh, but yeah, I think it's, this is definitely Missouri's regional uh, to take uh, the, the other teams good, but not, not at the same level. I was very, very impressed by Missouri and what they did in the SEC tournament. Yeah, one of the coolest moments, I think, of, of all week. Uh, outside of Alabama winning it was the standing ovation that Missouri got from the Alabama fans uh, after the the loss to Florida in the semifinals when they floored Florida and then Florida Florida them right back. But that that showed that they can play with pretty much anybody in this in in this nation uh, in this field. And uh, I think that they'll they'll pretty much handle this Columbia Regional.
0: Right below that, the number five overall seed, Oklahoma State. They will have the four-seed Campbell. And then maybe the most interesting under-the-radar 2-3 matchup, you've got Boston U, the three-seed, 36-2 and two this year, led by Allie Dubois, ERA under one. She is about as good a mid-major pitcher as you'll find. She is really talented. She's going to be a tough out. And she will face Mississippi State, a team that for the last week and a half we have been saying, oh, boy, you don't want to see Mississippi State in your regional. So I'm intrigued, and yet at the same time, I feel like Mississippi State is a good matchup for Oklahoma State. Carrie Eberly can shut down those bats. She's good enough in the circle. This, to me, again, looks pretty much like Oklahoma State should run through it, but the way Mississippi State's been playing of late, you can't really count them out.
1: I, I am considering dipping my toe back onto the Mississippi State bandwagon uh, I'm thinking about maybe putting a finger on it to climb back on. If they can, if they can do something against Oklahoma State, uh, I might go ahead and jump back on it. I, I can see them doing it. Last stand for Mia and Fa and everybody else. You know, go, go out, go out swinging. That's what I say.
0: Yeah, if Mississippi State wants to have any shot here, the pitching has got to be. On point Uh, Andy Willis Emily Williams they can't mess around they gotta hold down these offenses especially Oklahoma State's because even with that Mississippi State offense if Carrie Eberly has a bad day that probably means she's giving up like four runs so (laughs) you've got to make sure those cowgirls are quiet at the plate and I think the potential is there for that do I trust the Mississippi State pitching staff to do that all the way that's a different question (laughs) right yeah definitely so but I mean, props to
1: them to, to be in this situation because you know we were doing this podcast two, three weeks ago. We were thinking maybe maybe 12, 12 or 11 SEC teams get in, and Mississippi State's one of those that are not in this tournament at all. And they went from not only being solidly in the tournament to, uh, to moving up and, and getting a pretty good draw here.
0: Below that, here we go. Start your engines. The 12 overall seed. Size rolls the eyes. Texas with four seed st francis three seed texas state and two seed oregon by average of rpi this is the toughest regional in the entire thing it is not my regional of death choice though that would be tennessee but man oh man i mean we we have it so we're going to deal with it this is interesting texas oregon same regional and texas state no slouch st francis 40 wins this year somebody's going to have to really fight to get out of Austin. Yeah. That's the thing is that you, they say, I think there was
1: an agenda to get Oregon and Texas in the same regional, but Texas state might have something to say about that. Texas state, a legitimate team that has been in and around the top 25 all year long from the Sun Belt, which I think it probably was the best group of five conference as a whole in college softball this year. And yeah, I would. That is not an easy win for Oregon to get past the Bobcats to even get that matchup with Texas. But if they are, it is going to be a, a great matchup. If you're going to have an agenda, at least you've made a good matchup with Texas and Oregon going against each other. Would not be shocked to see Oregon come out of it.
0: Mm, are you tipping your hand early yeah, for picks? Early, early lean, early lean. Oh boy! And again, don't look ahead of St. Francis, Texas. Don't mess around. They're not a four seed to be trifled with as we continue down the left side of the bracket. The 13 overall seed, Duke. Congratulations to Duke. They earned that seed. They were a little high in my opinion, but I had them in as well. They are going to Athens. They've got UNC Greensboro as the four seed, Western Kentucky, the Conference USA champs, as a three seed, and Georgia as the two seed host. I will say I I know your earlier point has been made Tom of all of the other teams that could have been the host for Duke to have to go to because we knew coming in that was going to be how this worked at least it's Georgia who is not playing good softball whatsoever right now I love the truth I love her mother she's awesome nice nice woman nice family Georgia's not playing good softball right now. And so obviously the edge has to go to Duke here because Western Kentucky solid team, not sure they're good enough to beat Duke twice. Yeah. I, I, I
1: Duke is, is the favorite to win this region for, for 100% sure. Um, like I said, it's something think it's fair that they are having to play a Georgia team at home uh, when they could have easily have sent them somewhere else and had another two seed come in. Uh, but that being said, it does create an interesting matchup. I think it's a little bit unfair to Duke. I still expect the Blue Devils to come through unless Georgia finds whatever it was that they had when they were able to beat Oklahoma, and because they're going to have that type of a, an effort again. Because what we've seen from Georgia since then has not been good at all. Yeah. I totally agree. It's they're not only a host team; they're kind of a marginal number two seed at this point.
0: Yeah, that you can make the case. I mean, heck. The three seed Liberty probably had a better case to be a, a two seed than Georgia did, but right. you know whatever. It's a hand SEC love doubt. fest. Is what, is what
1: happened on uh, that
0: one. <laughs> I think what I really think is the committee just got put in a bind because they were like, "Well, Georgia doesn't deserve this at all." But unfortunately, that is the drawback that you have when you do these predetermined sites. The season isn't over, and that was a big miss. overall and now duke has to pay the consequences for that georgia does have an edge there but at the same time i stand by what i said duke is going like this ascending georgia could not be descending steeper right now at this point in the year so edge duke for sure but what makes it interesting is if georgia somehow gets a wild hair and wins the athens regional their matchup will be the number four overall seed, Florida, who's got an interesting Gainesville Regional. The four seed is South Florida. Now, say what you want about whether they deserve to be in this field. They do have one of the really good pitchers in the country in Georgina Corrick. Florida has seen her a couple times this year. Some of the games were competitive. One in particular was very not competitive. So we will see how the Gators and how the Bulls face off once again and then the two-seed Baylor with the three-seed South Alabama, I think the edge there easily goes to the Jaguars. And I could see South Alabama being the kind of team that could trip Florida up once with Olivia Lackey in the circle. Yeah, it depends on which Olivia Lackey shows up.
1: Is it the Olivia Lackey that that shut out Alabama? Or is it the one that has been roughed up several times, including a couple of times in the, in the uh, Sun Belt tournament? But yeah, the, they obviously have the capability of doing that. Have not been impressed, really, with Baylor this year um, at all. And I'm not sure South Florida should be in this tournament. And it's going to be a tough draw for them taking on Florida because whenever we've seen those two teams play, some of them have been close, like you said, but Florida certainly has the edge.
0: Mm. That's the left side of the bracket. Tom, any thoughts overall there? Which regional do you think, right now, if we weren't working, you would want to watch start to finish?
1: I, I think that 16-seed regional in Seattle is still it is, it's so intriguing with Michigan and Washington playing and seeing how their presumed snubs affect those two teams. I'm
0: really, I'm really interested to see how that works out. I'm kind of eh, – I'll disagree. I'm going to look down at the Austin regional. I want to know if I was right about Texas. And obviously the thing we always have to say with tournaments is – the results don't necessarily confirm or negate seeding but right pretty much universally people had oregon mm-hmm. ahead of texas so if oregon does beat texas at least i'll feel a little better so <laughs> we'll see what the austin regional looks like and i think the wild card there obviously is texas state jessica mullins fantastic freshman in the circle texas state has almost beaten texas a couple times this year so that's going to be a really fun regional to track again tom this tournament, despite us kind of knowing who the front runners are to win the national championship in the minutiae, in those two, three matchups in the potential two versus one matchup. There are a lot of potentials for upsets here, I think, which is really awesome.
1: Yeah. And I mean, some of that it has to do with the fact that we don't know what some of these teams are. <laughs> we don't know what Michigan is. We don't know what James Madison is. A uh, team like Boston, who has such a great overall record, but it's Boston. So, so it's like, well, we'll see. Are, are they going to be there? So it's I think there, there is
0: a lot of, there is some good chances for a lot of fun matchups. So that means if everything held chalk, your Supers matchups would be one Oklahoma, 16 Washington, eight Missouri, nine Tennessee, five Oklahoma State, 12 Texas, and four Florida, 13 Duke. Tom, we already talked about the regional you would watch. Which Super of those four would you pick? to sit down and watch the entirety of, and I can already guess it's going to be Oklahoma-Washington. I will be full on putting on the purple and gold. Mighty are the women. Let's do it. I mean, how? How did we get in a world where Oklahoma and Washington could be a super regional? Again, because the
1: committee's bad at their job, is how we got to this world. But yes. And I'm here for it. I'm here for it because, like I said, if we can have a world where the women's college world series doesn't have has Alabama, but doesn't have either Oklahoma or UCLA. I-, I am here for that world to happen. Clear the path. folks. Yes. We are ready. I have no shame. Let's have all the four seeds come through except for Alabama. I will take it.
0: <laughs> I will lean besides that. I mean, that's the easy right. answer. Sure. Right. Florida Duke is intriguing. Because Duke has gone on the road and beaten LSU this year. Florida, mm-hmm. I think, way better than LSU, but Duke has got good pitching, deep pitching. Florida, I still don't really feel good about that team because no. they just they have black they find way yeah, they find ways to win, but kind of in spite of themselves almost. So yeah. I feel like there would be a potential for an upset there. If, if it's Duke, if it's Georgia, the familiarity makes that, I think pretty easy for the Gators.
1: Yeah, I agree. So that's, I think if you're looking for an upset to keep Florida from going to Oklahoma city, you want Duke to come out
0: at regional. All right. It's time to move from left to right. Tom, are you ready? Do you see it over there through the confetti? We've got the sign. (laughs) The confetti that just goes off whenever it wants. We have the side. We're ready to go. Heading that way. Yes, apparently the streamers went early. That's some inside info you won't get anywhere else. <laughs> That's what we do. We, we like to do inside jokes that four people
1: get somewhere Lindsay Jones is left.
0: Uh, nope! Uh, get on your feet and she did it's time to steal second here on the Out of the Box podcast when we get back we will look at the right side of the bracket that's up next here on the Out of the Box podcast
1: Before history is written
0: Bobby Orr, behind the, the
1: it's
0: played it's played Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next
1: will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on
0: ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Welcome back to the Out of the Box Podcast. We are stealing second. Swiper. Yes, swiping. Gray Robertson, Tom Canterbury. We are on the right side of the bracket. Tom, are you ready to break this down?
1: I'm ready. I just hope we have the same base running wizardry that KB size has.
0: Are we stealing second? Are we going back to first? I don't know, but a run's gonna come in and score. All right. Gonna throw me out? You just try to throw me out. I'm going to think of a nickname. That'll be my other duty this week. I'm going to think of a proper base running nickname for KB sides. We'll see what we can come up with for Friday's telecast, which will be by the way, in the Tuscaloosa regional, which is at the top of the right side of the bracket, Alabama, the number three, overall seed, Alabama state, number four, Clemson, the two seed and Troy, the three seed. We've already broken down this regional, but Tom, I, I do think at the very least, it's going to be fun. Uh, the fact that Alabama has won 40 straight regional games
1: is kind of somehow under the radar. Amazing stat. You know, we've seen Oklahoma drop the game to the four seed. We've we've seen teams lose, and Alabama has faced some really good two seeds. I, like I said, I mentioned a few years ago, Alabama, and Alabama couldn't complain that year. Alabama was, you know, fortunate, I think, to be a top 16 seed. But they had to play the number one team in the nation in Minnesota, and they won all those games. You know, the the series with Arizona State was not easy. You know, there, there's, there's been some really good teams that have come in here, and Alabama ha- has gotten victories. Uh, Clemson, I think you're going to be able to add to that list of teams uh, that are really good. But uh, there's something about the roads the roads House in postseason that makes it even tougher for somebody to come in and get a victory.
0: Yeah, and I would say Alabama fans go and get ready to buy your tickets, but I honestly think they're already sold out. So you might have to hit up the old P Tech backdoor ticket <laughs> window, whatever, to get in.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's definitely, definitely the case. And that's one thing we saw in the SEC tournament. Boy, the brickyard was awesome. Oh. And I mean, you know, to the point where Alabama, the team, after they they got the they got the confetti, they got everything, they went out there and did the Alabama back, you know, the, the call back Alabama with the brickyard, which I don't remember them ever doing before. I mean, it was, it was really cool to see Alabama, the Alabama fans be out and and
0: wanting to support their team and, and for Alabama to understand and appreciate it. So we know what Tuscaloosa is going to be like. What about below that? The 14 overall seed is Kentucky. This is not my regional of death, but dang, it was close. The four seed is Northwestern, which I'm not sure how good Northwestern is. I don't think they're very good. I could be completely wrong because we have no clue, Tom. The two seed is Notre Dame. The three seed is a Miami of Ohio team with Veerstro, one of the best pitchers in the country. She's thrown like five no hitters this year. Notre Dame swept Virginia Tech earlier this season on the road four times. Tom, this one is a complete toss-up to me. And I feel like there is a strong chance somebody unseated could be coming to Tuscaloosa for supers. I think it's definitely a possibility. I mean, this is not an easy matchup for anyone
1: with Kentucky here. Like you mentioned, uh, Miami, Ohio. Be sure that uh, we talked with with Brian Rice again from Tennessee, who they saw Miami, Ohio this year. And he said that she was one of, if not the best pitchers that he saw all year long. That's a pretty high. Pretty high accomplishment. You could say that she may be the best non power five pitcher in America. And you got to go in there against Kentucky, Notre Dame, who Alabama handled pretty easily, but that was the first weekend of the regular season. They've obviously gotten a whole lot better as the season's gone along.
0: Yeah. And in that game, their ace, Alexis Holloway, did not pitch. So we don't know what that game could have looked like if Notre Dame's number one had thrown. Right. And then Northwestern, like you said, we have no idea
1: because they played in the Big Ten. They
0: only played everybody else in the
1: Big Ten. So um, it's a a that is a, it's going to be a tough scout, I think, for Rachel Lawson and, and and her staff. They're an enigma. We don't know which Kentucky team will show up. Alabama, I think, kind of exercised their Kentucky demons in the SEC tournament. We'll see if
0: it leads to another matchup with the Wildcats and the Supers. I feel like the reason Kentucky's a big loser here is because right now, just saying right now, the only pitcher on that staff, which is quite large, but the only pitcher on that staff that I have confidence in is Autumn Humes. And typically, when you're the one seed, you can go ahead and afford to throw your number two, like a Grace Ballman, or even a number three, like a Tatum Spangler or Miranda Stoddard, against Northwestern. Because it's so hard to know what they are, I'm not sure yeah. you can take that risk. And if Kentucky drops a game early, whether it be on Friday or Saturday. Boy, the odds are against them because I'm just not, I just don't have the confidence that any of the other pitchers can win a big game against a Miami of Ohio offense that is also quite good or a Notre Dame offense that can put up some big numbers.
1: Yeah, this is a very tough draw for Kentucky. We talked about if it's chalk for Alabama, they continue to play teams uh, only in the SEC. It
0: may not go chalk. We'll see. we'll make our picks later. Let's go down to Tucson, Arizona, the 11 overall seed. I've already voiced my thoughts on the Wildcats being rated that high. Their number four seed is UNBC. three seed Villanova, Paige Rao, fantastic two-way player. Behind her, a good team, but Rao will have to carry the load for the Wildcats. And Ole Miss, the SEC rep in Tucson here in this regional, a team that, you know, just like Georgia, has really been – descending quite rapidly the last couple weeks i feel like this is a pretty favorable matchup for arizona i know rpi wise this is averaged out a pretty tough regional but with the way these teams are playing you know villanova even had to come out of the losers bracket to win the big east this feels pretty tailor-made for an arizona sweep through yeah i don't see arizona getting
1: much resistance here at all in this regional another one that makes me upset with the regional Alabama got when you take a look at it because UMBC is not busting to Tucson. I know that much. Uh, so it obviously didn't have an effect on, on that one proximity wise. None of these teams are, you know, Ole Miss, Villanova there. Everyone's getting on a plane to be able to go to Tucson. So it obviously, you know, proximity didn't really matter a whole lot as far as the 11 regional meant. Uh, but that being said, Arizona should not have much issue. Uh, would be shocked if there's, Non-run rule games, basically, is what it looks like to me.
0: Yeah, honestly, the best pitching against Arizona might come from UMBC. Courtney Coppersmith, really talented. She's been a preseason watch list name for years. But yeah, this uh, this heavily favors the Wildcats, which makes the region below them interesting. The Fayetteville regional, you've got the six overall seed, Arkansas. The four seed Manhattan, the Jaspers are in the NCAA tournament. Just wanted to make sure it was known that I knew they are the Jaspers. <laughs> the two seed is Stanford, which is a fascinating, fascinating team along with South Dakota State who had come out of a loser's bracket to win the Summit League. But 42 and six, they've got a fantastic pitching staff. They've knocked off some teams this year. I remember earlier this season, they no hit Oregon State. Alana Vauter at Stanford beat Washington this past weekend. Arkansas does not have a cakewalk in Fayetteville here in the first round.
1: We saw with Arkansas that if you have a lights out pitcher, if you have, you know, which I would actually Rogers did. If someone can really pitch, they can keep that offense at bay. So we will see how Arkansas is able to respond. Obviously, I'm sure they're disappointed with being shut out in their lone game as the uh, co regular season champions in the SEC tournament. Don't know the uh, the scent of the injury to, Br- to Burnside either. Yeah, uh, Burnside did not play in that game against Tennessee. Is that it wasn't it really a day to day thing, or is there an issue there? We 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 know with Arkansas sometimes they don't come full out with their injuries. As uh, Mary Half was injured, and we didn't even know it uh, a few years ago. So. Uh, We'll see if that's another case here. If Arkansas is not at full strength, uh, this is definitely not a a gimme regional.
0: Yeah, questions abound. I mean, this is a team that will, when this regional start, have played one game in 19 days. Is Autumn Storms fully healthy? Is Burnside fully healthy? I don't know. But if the answer is no to those last two, you could see an upset. It's very, very, very possible. Mm. I don't know if you're going to lean that way or not, but it's it's... It's certainly in the cards. We'll see. I'm saving that for when Mm. we round third. Below that, Baton Rouge, the Mm. number seven overall seed LSU. Here we go, Tom. This is my region of death on the right side. Wow. Number one seed in the region LSU, four seed McNeese, a McNeese team that has beaten Arkansas this year, has hung tough-ish with LSU. They almost beat Louisiana twice this season. Speaking of the Cajuns, they are the two seed seed. And the three seed in this regional is George Washington. And I think the best player none of you out there have ever heard of is Jenna Cone. If you look at the current home run leaders in the country, Jenna Cone is there, career and season. She was walked five times in the regular season finale because teams did not want to pitch to her at all. It's very Bailey Hemphill-esque. So what's the team around her like? It's Okay. Jenna Cone, though, is a game-changer, and I think that is what makes Baton Rouge really fascinating. Plus, of course, I mean, it's LSU-Louisiana, so throw out the records. We'll see what happens. I think if you're LSU, this is another situation
1: where you're looking around at some of the other regionals and seeing some of these two seeds that aren't busing, and you're wondering, okay, why do we get sent Louisiana every year? Why why is this a a situation where every – freaking season when they're not a top 16 they have to come here they are certainly eligible to go elsewhere uh but we we have to have the raging cajuns come in it's a tough draw i did not know about cone i was one of those people that has not heard uh, of, of cone at george washington uh would love to see them them make a make a statement as well
0: this is it's gonna be so fun oh my gosh and and again just to throw it out there LSU does not have a cakewalk in that one four. McNeese is not a bad team. That is a good right. team out of a Southland. So we'll see what that looks like. They are matched with the 10 seed Florida state who has the four seed Kennesaw state in Tallahassee, two seed Auburn and three seed UCF. Those might be flipped. I'm not sure the bracket doesn't say who's the two and the three, but I think Auburn's the two and You know, like all these teams have played each other. Remember, Kennesaw State, Florida State, and Auburn were all in Auburn for a tournament earlier this year when Florida State had a conference series canceled because of COVID. Kennesaw State beat Auburn earlier this year. They lost once to Florida State by a run, and that was a game where Kennesaw State, you know, had chances to win late. UCF has beaten Florida twice. Mm-hmm. this is again another regional where man you don't want to mess around and Auburn yes the offense quite terrible but Shelby Low is good enough to keep down these teams because these are not three schools with runaway offenses you don't have a team hitting 350 or 320 even really in this regional this could be pretty up in the air as well yeah I think Auburn kind of
1: that They've benefited some with a high RPI because of their strength of schedule. Uh, not playing particularly well right now. But they have shown flashes throughout the year. And like I said, if Lowe is on and the offense can give give her anything, then Auburn is capable. And Florida State, you got to wonder what their mindset is because I, I'm not sure when the last time that Florida State didn't either win the ACC regular season or the tournament or both. Uh, so, yeah, they got the 10 overall seed. Um, had some good non-conference wins this year, including a couple over Arizona. What is their mindset right now? They they just watched Clemson win the regular season and Duke win the tournament title, something they are very much used to doing. Are they going to use that as motivation or is that one of those situations
0: where it kind of gets in their head and, and if they get down early, do they start pressing? That's the kind of regional where I could totally see an upset, but I'm not sure I'm brave enough to pull the trigger. Like I, there, is a, there is totally a world. Here's the thing. All of those teams could beat each other twice. Maybe it would be yeah. tough for Kennesaw State to beat Florida State twice. But UCF and Auburn, they could both pretty easily, I think, beat Florida State twice. I'm just not sure if I'm brave enough to actually pick it. We'll get to it later. But I think that does make Tallahassee very intriguing. Well, there's something to remember, too, and we're thinking about picking, is that
1: the way these regionals are set up, because it's double elimination, it is set up for the top seed to win. Like there, it has to be a true run through a weekend for some of these lower seeds to win. That's why, you know, it goes close to chalk almost every year. So, you know, you might, you see a few upsets there that you want to
0: pick, but you got to remember very few of them are actually going to happen. I know last year I got bit a couple of times when we made those picks, but <laughs> either way we'll see if anyone is brave enough to pick an upset in the Tim P- Regional, which is where the 15 overall seed Arizona State lives along with the four seed the Southern Illinois Salukis congratulations to FGCL player of the week perennial nominee and I'm going to just go ahead and say it winner this week Jenny Jansen guiding Southern Illinois to the Missouri Valley Conference Tournament Championship and to the NCAA Tournament it's a tricky team they're playing well right now Also in that regional, three-seed BYU, always kind of a wild card. They've got some pop in the lineup with Violet Zavodnik, Riley Jensen, and the two-seed Virginia Tech with Keeley Rochard, ACC Pitcher of the Year. Virginia Tech, one of those teams
1: that we were kind of looking at as a possible two-seed in the Tuscaloosa regional, uh, but they get sent out to Tempe. And, uh, yeah, I think that's a tough draw for Arizona State. Because, again, it's a, it's a team that they don't see very often. Um, it's going to be one that will be able to come in and show them a little something different than what they normally see out west. Um, you could see some more low-scoring games between if it is the Sun Devils and, and the Hokies getting together. I think if it is a BYU-Arizona State situation,
0: it could be a home run derby. Watch out. Hide, hide the eyes if you love low-scoring <laughs> softball. BYU and Arizona State meetup. Goodness gracious. Mm-hmm. I keep wanting to pick Virginia Tech and I feel like this is one of the few regionals where it's harder for me to pull the trigger. Like if Virginia Tech was in Knoxville, I would pick the Hokies to run through there, I think, cuz I think Rochard can wow. outduel mm-hmm. Rodgers. I'm not sure though if that Arizona State offense can be held down in Tempe twice by Rochard. We'll see. We'll we'll pick that later on. Well- well, you remember what, what we said
1: when Arizona State was in Tuscaloosa's regional and in Alabama's regional in 2019. They were a, they had the offense. They were a actual, you know, not as even a shutdown, but like a real good ace uh, that could kind of be somebody you could give the ball to and hope that they, that, that, and, and think that they were going to be able to hold them down to at least three or four runs. And that's what they're missing. I'm not sure if they've really, brought that person up yet. So I think they're still a
0: little I think they are susceptible here. We'll see. The final regional, LA, Hollywood, hmm. the bright lights of Westwood with the number 2 overall seed, UCLA, by the way, an injustice in my opinion. I don't know how UCLA is the number 2 overall seed. We didn't even talk about that in the top.
1: Gold Metric
0: nine. right? Yeah, I know. Metrically UCLA is the easy choice. I don't know what just whatever anyway they use
1: metrics for everything except for the number one overall seed Made no sense Mm. again committee bad at their job
0: ucla is the top seed obviously in the los angeles regional the four seed is long beach state good team out of the big west the two seed is minnesota we know how good amber pfizer can be that offense still pretty iffy But the pitching is phenomenal for Minnesota. Autumn Peace, also pretty good, the number two option for the Gophers. And Fresno State, led by Haley Dolcini, who won, I think, like eight Pitcher of the Week, maybe more awards in the Mountain West this year. So at the very least, Tom, you can expect some good pitching in L.A. this weekend, if not resistance to UCLA. But I think you'll see some fun matchups. I think you have to have those type of pitchers to have any chance to
1: beat UCLA. So that being said, while I don't expect it to happen, you could see some lower lower scoring games here. And if if one of those offenses can get to a Faramo or a Garcia and can get behind one of those aces just having a, a really good day, I could see UCLA maybe losing once. It'll be very
0: difficult for somebody to beat them twice, though. So that means your Supers matchups on the right side would be 3 Alabama, 14 Kentucky, 6 Arkansas, 11 Arizona, Seven LSU, 10 Florida State, and the two seed UCLA, 15 seed Arizona State. So, Tom, I'll ask the same questions. If we didn't have to work and take Tuscaloosa out of the equation right now for regionals, which regional would you most want to sit and watch the entirety of? And then also, which super regional matchup do you think intrigues you the most? Let's say I would say the regional, probably that one in, in Louisiana at LSU, like you were talking
1: about. So, so many interesting matchups there, and then you have the natural rivalry with LSU and the Ragin' Cajuns, which could be a lot of fun. Uh, super regional wise, I think it's had Arkansas, Arizona, six, eleven matchup. Uh, we've already seen UCLA and Arizona State, and we kind of know how that's going to turn out. You know, LSU, Florida State could be interesting, but uh, of all the top teams, they're kind of the ones that are the least interesting to me. If that makes sense. No, I totally um, agree. Uh, But I I think Arizona-Arkansas could be really interesting. You you get Bogle Park rocking against a team like Arizona. They've been there before. Arkansas really hasn't.
0: But I think the teams are pretty pretty comparable, Uh, and it could be a really interesting matchup. My regional to watch is that Arkansas regional, the Fayetteville regional, because, like I said, we don't really know a ton about what, Arkansas is going to look like going in. They haven't played in a while. They've had some injury issues. How healthy are they? How mm-hmm. ready are they to face some of these good teams? Because again, name-wise, you would look at that and say, ah, oh, you know, Arkansas should be able to get through this. But man, oh man, Stanford and South Dakota State are not pushovers at all. So Arkansas better be ready to play. And then I think you're right on the money about Supers. Arkansas-Arizona, to me, that is a matchup that fires me up. And that is what I want to see more from, from the committee. Arkansas, Arizona is very interesting. There's two ways of looking at it, though. I think if you're the committee, if you
1: are even because they say they don't look at these things, but if they are kind of secretly looking at it, if you have a lot of super regionals that are the same conference, then you limit the chance of Oklahoma City being absolutely dominated by one conference. Because say you have the matchup of a bunch of SECs against a bunch of Pac-12s in the Supers, and the SEC just runs through it, and you have like six out of the eight are SEC teams in, in Oklahoma City. And you kind of, I guess, if you're looking at it that way, if you're the committee, you'd rather have those matchups the Supers and then kind of be more inclusive of the entire nation for the World Series is that gets more eyes. I don't agree with that, but I could
0: see that being one way they look at it. I guess, but I mean... But, if they shouldn't look at it that way. It's it's always cyclical. Who would have thought that the Pac-12 would be the best basketball conference in men's basketball this year? Right. You know, it, it is. It all changes every year. I mean, I just, just dang it, give us give us something fun. I want to see UCLA. I w- I really wanted to see UCLA have to host Michigan. That was the regional that I kept setting up when I would do the bracketology. That would have been fun. But UCLA, Arizona State. I would think that there would be more pressure in the Los Angeles regional than potentially the Los Angeles super regional.
1: Yeah, uh, probably so. I'm not, yeah, I don't have a whole lot of faith in Arizona State being able to do anything
0: with UCLA. Well, that's the right side of the bracket. Tommy, you're ready to finally get to picks. Yes, very excited. It's time to get ahead of ourselves. We're going to pick regionals and supers. Wow. Back as we get ready to round third here on the Out of the Box podcast. Welcome back to the Out of the Box podcast. Gray Robertson, Tom Canterbury. It is time to round third with the pick segment. Tom won the regular season. I destroyed him and everyone in the SEC tournament picks. I won the CTP bracket contest. I missed the first game and missed nothing after that. Absolutely nailed it. So, Tom, I am obviously killing it with structure. Sure. Well, good. well done yes you got the better of me last year in or i guess in 2019 in the official ncaa tournament pick'em. so now we uh we will see how things pan out here this year how do you feel already after looking at the bracket uh i i have a a pretty clear thought of how i'm going to go on this but i i could see being swayed in a couple we'll we'll see let's see let's see how it rolls here well, we will start on the left side. We will go down, then move to the right and go down. We're doing all the regionals first, then we'll do supers. Let's start in Norman. The number one overall seed, Tom, they're Oklahoma. They're winning the Norman Regional. I know I'm going to really pull the upset card here, but Oklahoma is going to win.
1: Yeah. Um, the, the, the question is not will Oklahoma lose, but will they actually run rule themselves all the way through the tournament, or at least to the regional?
0: Yeah, best – Possible threat there is a really hot McKenzie Herzog, but even then, not not jumping on that bandwagon. No, no. So let's go down. Here we go. This is where it gets really interesting. 16 seed Washington, the Seattle regional. Tom, you go first. Who do you have?
1: I think Washington's going to get through it. Um, being in Seattle uh, again, we don't know really what Michigan is. We know what Washington is, especially when Gabby Plain is there. Uh, So, like I said, I think it'll be a situation where Heather Tarr throws the others in the first game and then it's Gabby Plain the rest of the way. And that's going to get them out of the super into the super regional.
0: Yeah. I, I want to pick Michigan. I want to believe that that pitching staff can hold down teams outside the big 10, but I just, I just can't, I have to take the safe bet here. So I'm going to take Washington a motivated Washington team to win the Seattle regional, but man, Oh man, I hope they play three times. Cause that's going to be really fun below that the Knoxville regional Tennessee, the number nine overall seed Tom, what do you think? I don't know. I, I saw Ashley Rogers at her best this week in
1: Tuscaloosa. I hope that the rest after the, the loss in the, in the semifinals and, and what has happened the last few days will be enough for her. So I'm going to say Ashley Rogers in Tennessee gets through.
0: Yeah. Again, another situation where I want to pick James Madison, but I can't, I don't, I just don't have the evidence to back it up that they can do it against a big time team. So I am going to take Ashley Rogers, but this is going to be a really fun regional to watch. So we've agreed so far. So let's far. see if, so far. Uh, let's see if it holds firm going to Columbia, number eight, overall seed, Missouri, along with Iowa state, you and I, and Illinois, Chicago, I will take Missouri I think this is a great draw for our girl, Larissa Anderson props to that pitching staff who has seemingly gotten a little bit better as the year has gone on. That offense still continues to be really potent. I like Missouri here to take on Tennessee and supers.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think Missouri got a tremendous draw here. I think they'll win it and I think they'll win it rather
0: easily. All right. So far chalk, let's go down Mm. to Stillwater. Oklahoma state, the number five overall seed, Campbell, Boston, U, and Mississippi state. I will go first. I've got Oklahoma state. I like Carrie Everly in the circle. I think Kelly Maxwell provides a good number two. I don't think these other teams in Stillwater have the pitching depth to match that
1: at the risk of continuing to agree. I'm going to agree with you there. I'll go with Oklahoma state, but if Mississippi state plays at the level they have at the end of the regular season and gets that production from the circle, It's not out of the realm of possibilities for Mississippi State to win this thing, but I'm going to go Oklahoma State.
0: I'll tell you what, I will be shocked if Mississippi State is in supers considering what we thought of them a couple weeks ago, but man, oh man, they figured it out somehow. Yeah, absolutely. And
1: I mean, that's quite a win streak they had until they, they ran up against Florida in the SEC tournament. So I'm a, like I said, I'm, I'm teetering on getting back on the bandwagon. Let's see. Let's see if they are in super regionals, I'm jumping on full, full bore again. I'll go with you.
0: That'd be fun. <laughs> Why not? Follow all out of the World Series. I'm here for it. Sure. Below that, let's go to Austin. Maybe the biggest bracketing travesty here. I've talked about it already. Ad nauseum. Austin, the host of the 12-seed Texas with Texas State, St. Francis, and Oregon. Tom, you are first this time. Are you going to do it or will I? Or will both of us? Maybe it's just my want to... I want it to happen so badly
1: that the one agenda that this committee had of putting Texas and Oregon together, I'm gonna to pick the Bobcats at Texas State. To win this oh, race. wow, Ruin all the plans. Come on,
0: Bobcats. you can w- when I said are you gonna do it or am I? That's not what I had in mind. <laughs> I'm taking Oregon. I think Brocia' is the most talented pitcher in this regional. All due respect to Jessica Mullins, who might be second best for Texas State. But I think Oregon, with Yanez in the circle, can run through Austin. What about your girl Molly Jacobson? Molly Jacobson has not been my girl this year. I moved on to the truth. But, yeah, interesting. Neither of us take Texas, but we don't agree on the pick. That's quite (laughs) something. There you go. So look for the Longhorns to come out of that one. St. Francis all the way. (laughs) Let's go to Athens, which I honestly wish we were right now. But the 13 seed Duke is in Georgia, along with UNC Greensboro and Western Kentucky. You are up first now, Tom, please fire away. I'm going to
1: say Duke. And I, I think it's a travesty. They're having to play Georgia in Athens in this situation. No reason why they couldn't have had this game or had this regional in Athens and sent Georgia somewhere else, but it is what it is. And I think Duke will, will be able to handle it. So I'm going to go to the blue devils.
0: I'm going to agree. I think Shelby Walters, Peyton, St. George, good in the circle, Georgia. I I just, Mary Wilson, Avant can beat Duke once. Can she beat Duke twice? I'm not sure. And do I trust anyone else on that staff to beat Duke? No. So I'm taking Duke to win the Athens regional. Final left side pick, Gainesville, Florida with a number four overall seed, along with South Florida, South Alabama, and Baylor. Intriguing, but I'm not sure I'm willing to pull off the upset. South Alabama, I think, could be the best option to beat Florida. I'm going to take the Gators.
1: Yeah, I am too. Yeah, I can see South Alabama winning one, but I don't see them being able to beat Florida twice. So uh, there's nobody in this regional that's going to be able to beat Florida twice.
0: Let's go to the right side. The Tuscaloosa Regional, three-seed Alabama, along with Alabama State, Troy, and Clemson. Tom, we have at times in this podcast history been accused of cursing Alabama by picking them. We have also, to our credit, nailed Alabama many times this year in series and in the tournament. We both had them winning the SEC tournament this past week. We picked Alabama to run through regionals in 2019, so I don't think we are causing a ruckus here when we both pick Alabama to win the Tuscaloosa regional. I'll go first, I guess. I've got the Crimson Tide running through maybe a loss, but I would be pretty surprised.
1: Yeah, I I don't see a loss happening. I think the full-on streak continues and Alabama gets out of the Tuscaloosa regional.
0: Well, that was easy. Let's keep going down (laughs) to just... Too. I, I don't know not as easy not as easy i have no idea and you're going first so that's fun the okay. 14 seed kentucky in the lexington regional with northwestern miami of ohio and notre dame i didn't say the seeds there you could order those three teams any way you want and it would still be tough tom who do you like in lexington do you like anyone <laughs> i would like it better actually if miami ohio
1: was the four because i think they could knock kentucky into the losers bracket to start off with I'm not sure if Northwestern can do that, which will give Kentucky an edge. Oh, my goodness. I'm just going to have to say Kentucky, and I don't like it at all.
0: It doesn't feel right, does it? No, it doesn't. I'm going to take Notre Dame. I'm going to think that Alexis Holloway gets hot, Abby Sweet, fantastic in that lineup. Does Notre Dame have the pitching depth? I'm not sure. Peyton Tid is good, but... I think Notre Dame has to ride Holloway. And I believe if Notre Dame were to win this regional, it would be their first trip ever to Supers. So it would be, yes. I'm going to go with history and go with my distrust of Kentucky. I've got Notre Dame going to Supers. I'm here for it. And be, it would be interesting to see Alabama go the football route and have
1: to beat Clemson and Notre Dame to get to the championship. Wow. Uh, but, yeah. very. Where very is cool.
0: Ohio State? Right. Unfortunately, <laughs> Not in this field. I'm going to be honest, though. My heart kind of wants Miami of Ohio to make a run. I love it when the mid majors can do some things in this tournament, and Beerstra is is a fantastic pitcher for the Red I was, Hawks.
1: I like it sometimes when mid majors come to Tuscaloosa for Super Regionals, and Alabama no hits them twice. That's always fun. Yeah, that's wow. what happened, to Jack.
0: That's what happened to Jacksonville State when they yeah. made a nice little run and ran into Kelsey Dunn. That's true. That did happen. <laughs> poor, poor Jacksonville State. They're not mm. in the tournament this year. No. Let's go to Tucson, number eleven overall seed Arizona, along with UNBC, Villanova, and Ole Miss. I think we tipped our hand earlier. This feels pretty easy. I'm going to take Arizona, Tom.
1: Yeah, as am I. We'll go with the Wildcats. Relatively easily done.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, we'll just fly through from there to Fayetteville. Arkansas number six overall with Stanford, South Dakota State, and Manhattan. Your first, Tom. (sighs) I wish I knew a little bit more about Stanford because I even asked you during
1: the broadcast this past – during the SEC tournament, is Stanford even going to make a regional? They're not only in a regional, they're a number two seed in a regional. Uh, So they're they're a pretty good squad. I just – I think Arkansas and and Courtney Diefel is going to be able to get through. I'll go with the Razorbacks.
0: I feel like the momentum behind Bogle Park is going to push Arkansas to a win here, whether or not they're fully healthy. Although if they're not, that makes this much more interesting. This is the second regional Bogle Park ever. The first where I think Arkansas is like a legit world series team because, you know, the first time they hosted, yes, they hosted, but they were matched up in a super potentially with Oklahoma. So they weren't going to go to the world series. They could this year. And I think that crowd, which has built, been built up way more from 2018 when they first hosted, is going to make a difference. So I've got Arkansas winning the Fayetteville Regional. Let's go down. 7 seed LSU in Baton Rouge with McNeese, George Washington, and Louisiana. Tom, you are first. What do you have? I think I'm picking my second upset. I'm going to go with the Rachel Cajuns. I was thinking about it. I really
1: was. I don't – that being said, I don't love it. Like I'm not full on with it, but LSU has just been so inconsistent this year. They got they got one win in, in Tuscaloosa, but then I wasn't very impressed with their effort against Missouri in the uh, in the quarterfinals um, when they needed to kind of make a run. Well, I thought they needed to make a run. They still got a seven national seed, so maybe they didn't. There's just so much inconsistency of their pitching staff. Uh, it's hard for me to trust them. I think it might be one of those situations where Louisiana they they get the opportunity to go to LSU,
0: which they always love,
1: and I think they'll get through it this time. I'll go with the Raging Cajuns.
0: They have played twice this year. LSU won both, 4 nothing in Lafayette, 3-2 in Baton Rouge. I feel like these teams are really even. I think I'm going to agree. I think I'm going to take Louisiana. Really? Yeah. I also don't feel good about it, though. <laughs> but I can't name a region of death and both times pick the seed. So I'm going <laughs> to take Louisiana to win here. I mean, right now, which one-two punch do you feel better about? Kendra Lamb and Summer Ellison at Louisiana or Shelby Sincere and Allie Capone at LSU? I think right now I would lean Louisiana, and I know I trust Louisiana's offense more than I trust LSU's. So, yeah, yeah I'm going to go with the Cajuns. Yeah. All right. Below that, Florida State, but number 10 overall seed with just the familiarity galore. Kennesaw State, the four seed. UCF and Auburn, the twos and threes, I will go first. I'm going to take Florida state. I hate it. And this I feel like is the regional where literally anything could happen along with Lexington. I could see, honestly, all four of the teams coming out of here potentially. I don't see Auburn having enough offense to do it. So I don't see
1: them coming out. If, if there's an upset to be had, I think it would be UCF, but I, I just, at in Tallahassee, I think Florida State's going to have too much. I agree. I am i don't love it
0: either, but I'll go with the Seminoles. It does feel like a particularly boring regional, doesn't it? Like, the games yeah. could be exciting at the end, but I feel like it'll be at the end of a 2-1 and 10 innings kind of game. Like, there's yeah. not going to be a lot going on here, I feel like. Uh, I'm with you. Below that, Tim P, 15 overall Arizona State with Southern Illinois, BYU, and Virginia Tech. Keely Rochard, she's good, but can she beat Arizona State twice? I'm gonna say no. I'm gonna take Arizona State, the 15 overall seed, to move on to supers. Tom,
1: maybe it's just my not wanting to see UCLA and Arizona State play in supers. I'm gonna take it. I'll go for. I'll go Virginia Tech. There's you know, at they, least
0: evidence to back it up. I mean, Rashard yeah, makes sense.
1: They have the ace pitcher. Uh, if they can keep that Arizona State offense down, Arizona State doesn't really have that ace. So you look at the Virginia Tech offense. If they can uh, just you know continue to give her give her a cushion uh we'll go virginia tech there and i can see BYU maybe giving arizona state a loss in there too where virginia tech doesn't have to beat them twice maybe just once
0: Mm, interesting good point the final regional ucla with minnesota fresno state and long beach state out in la it's interesting i mean there's good pitching here but ucla is going to go to supers and that'll be the end of that tom yeah yeah pretty much
1: i i could see You know, there'd be a game where it may be 0-0 in the sixth inning or something, and then UCLA scratches a run across uh, in the sixth or seventh to win. But,
0: yeah, UCLA is going to win it. Now it's time to pick Supers. Let's go back top left. For me, it's Oklahoma-Washington. For you, it is Oklahoma-Washington. In Norman, will either of us be brave enough to pick Gabby Plain? Your first time. Mine, you're the women. Come on, Washington. I'm going to go with the Huskies. You're crazy. I'm okay with it, though. I'm picking Oklahoma, but man, Washington over Oklahoma would burn some things to the ground. Let me tell you.
1: (laughs) Because, I mean, the shirts are already being made for the championship game between Oklahoma and and UCLA. Um, They're already ready to go with it. Tickets are being bought. You know, the Sooners don't have very far to go. They're ready to get there. But there is literally one of the best pitchers in the world standing in their way. And we've seen that offense have issues when they face some really good pitchers. So, and Oklahoma's pitchers aren't at that same level. You know, it's all about whether or not that offense will be able to to, to crank out the homers.
0: And I think somebody like Gabby playing can stop them. I'll tell you what, if that's the matchup, I know where Beth and Michelle are going. Oh yeah. Oh, 100%. Oh my gosh. Made (laughs) for TV. I hope our games are not during their games because (laughs) good Lord. I want to watch that. All right, let's go down. The eight, nine, we both have it would be Missouri hosting Tennessee and Columbia. Remember Missouri took two of three over Tennessee in Knoxville. I will go first. Missouri, congratulations you're going to OKC at this point Tom I think it would be really disappointing looking at the draw if Missouri is not in the women's college world series I'm gonna agree with you I'll go with Missouri I just think at at some point you're asking Ashley
1: Rogers to do too much she's not 100% healthy at some point it's going to be too much
0: the worst part is Missouri's senior so they can't even really you know there's not that game of figuring out her and by the time you do it's already three nothing and you've struck out 20 times Missouri right. has the tape on Ashley Rogers so that advantage already gone as we mm-hmm. keep moving down the Stillwater Super Regional <laughs> my goodness I've got Oklahoma State versus Oregon you've got Oklahoma State versus Texas State your first time, I have a feeling I know where you're going
1: yeah congratulations Oklahoma State in that situation uh yeah I, th- I think Texas State will have used up all the bullets to get Texas and or Oregon and Oklahoma state should, should ride through that to go to OKC. Yeah.
0: I've got Oklahoma state as well. Oregon again with Yanez, they're tough. If Oklahoma state gets to her or they see her twice, I just, I'm not sure if Yanez can beat the cowgirls twice. I'll say that. So I'm going to take Oklahoma state to get to the women's college world series. Final one on the left side, Florida Duke, the 413. I'm going to take Florida because I think Florida doing Florida things will extend into the postseason. I think it'll help that they're at home. But initially when I saw this bracket, I thought, man, Florida's got a heck of a draw. They're going to run to OKC. The more I've thought about it, the more I've looked into Duke and really broken down the numbers. I'm not so sure it is as easy as that. I think this is a series that goes three. I will take Florida to go to OKC, but I think Duke gets a game and really makes it tough and supers.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of lot, right along with you.
0: Florida's going to do the Florida thing
1: and and probably be behind in that third game and, and get a get a home run by Eccles or a Lindeman in the sixth or seventh inning to to propel them to OKC.
0: But uh, it should be a heck of a regional. Let's go right. I've got Alabama, the three seed over Notre Dame. You've got the three seed Alabama versus the four seed, 14 seed Kentucky. Tom, you're first. What do you have?
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with Alabama because I, I really think that whatever demons there were, Alabama exercised them against Kentucky in the SEC tournament. I, think, I just think Alabama's better, and especially behind somebody like Montana Fouts pitching like she is right now. Uh, it's going to be hard for a team like a Kentucky, which has to rely on there being crazy stuff happening. Alabama, when Montana Fouts is pitching like this, crazy stuff doesn't happen. Crazy stuff happens positively for Alabama, not negatively.
0: I've got Alabama over Notre Dame, the Irish are outmatched there. So I Mm -hmm. feel like this is as good a draw as you can imagine for the Crimson Tide, Notre Dame being your Super's opponent. So I've got the Crimson Tide and OKC, maybe a bit biased, I don't know, but dang it, we got to get those stakes somehow. And we're not going to OKC if Alabama's not there. So Yeah, well,
1: they're the three overall seed. It would certainly, you know, it would be an upset for them not to be there. It's
0: true. Below, the Fayetteville Super Regional. You've got the team that has been there before, the second most national championships, Arizona, the 11 seed, traveling to the team that is hosting a regional for the second time ever and would potentially be hosting Supers for the first time in school history, Arkansas. Experience versus youth, program-wise, Tom. And I'm going to take the team that's been there before. I'm going to take Arizona. I actually don't think Arizona is a unfavorable matchup for Arkansas, but I think Arizona will finally start playing somewhat close to the potential that we thought they had this year when it matters most. So I am going to take Arizona to go to OKC.
1: Interestingly, in, in the youth versus experience matchup, in our partnership, the youth versus experience You're the youth and you took experience. I'm the experience and I'm going to take the youth. I'm going to go Arkansas. And it's going to be one of those things where I I just think that they kind of have, they have it this year. They have that magic in them. It's going to be a a tough matchup. I can see it go three games, but being in Bogle Park, I think that's going to really help them. And uh, hopefully this is, again, assuming that they're as close to 100% as possible. If they are at full strength, I'm going to go with the Razorbacks.
0: Hmm. That's tasty, right? Mm, What a matchup mm -hmm. that would be. Really good. Oh, man. Final quadrant of the bracket, bottom right. We both have the same super. We've got Florida State versus Louisiana. So, Tallahassee would be hosting your super regional. Potentially. Now again, we have to keep in mind that technically the NCAA could come out and say, No, you know, this team is hosting this regional, but it's yeah. probably not what's gonna happen. Yeah, yeah, they they could theoretically say, Hey Baton Rouge, you still have to host the super regional. <laughs> right. But I don't think they're gonna do that. Odds are it's not gonna happen. So yeah. in Tallahassee, I will take FSU, but I still don't feel good about it. Honestly, I don't love the fact that somebody in those eight teams is going to go to okc it doesn't feel right to me yeah but i'm going to take florida state anyway Uh, i think i'm right along with you i'm going to go florida
1: state too don't think that any one of those eight are the top eight teams in the country but sometimes that's how things fall when brackets are put out so uh we'll go florida state just matchup wise it works out for them
0: final area I've got UCLA hosting Arizona State, two versus 15. You've got UCLA hosting Virginia Tech, two versus unseated. Tom, you were first. Can Virginia Tech do it?
1: No, no, UCLA. And not not, not to be less than dramatic about it, but no, UCLA should handle it Uh, regardless of who comes out of that Tempe Regional. It shouldn't be much of an issue. But unless Virginia Tech just gets absolutely scorching hot uh, in the circle and just doesn't allow UCLA to score and they can scratch something across, Uh, It's basically their only chance. I don't see it happening, though.
0: Yeah, UCLA's got this against Arizona State. I mean, come on. We've seen this Mm -hmm. movie before. Numerous Numerous times. Yeah, Yeah. let's, let's not pretend like an upset's about to happen. So that means our picks to OKC are in. Tom, my eight are Oklahoma, Missouri, Oklahoma State, Florida, Alabama, Arizona, Florida State, and UCLA. For you, Washington, Missouri, Oklahoma State, Florida, Alabama, Arkansas, Florida State, and UCLA. Does it sound better in list form? Not really, but uh, but I w- I will take it. It's an interesting field. Again, it doesn't. It's not
1: the the top eight teams, which is you know it's just not the way it works out. Either way, I don't think. Um, even if it went 100% chalk, I don't know if it's the, the top eight teams. It,
0: it's gonna. It sets up some really interesting matchups though there on that first day in OKC. Is there an unseeded team at all? I'm looking. It's been a long time since we have seen a quote-unquote Cinderella go to OKC. Right. Is there anyone that you feel like could make a run? I feel like maybe the best bet is Oregon. Yeah, uh, Oregon's probably, or Louisiana. Uh, I'm looking. I'm trying to find someone, and yeah. I can't. Yeah, I would say,
1: or again, we don't know what a Michigan or James Madison might be able to bring to the table. Maybe they're, you know, national championship contenders. And we just don't know it. Maybe they're, maybe that's them. So I I think there's a few possible ones, uh, but nothing that it's like this team is definitely going to be able to do it.
0: Yeah. That's the bracket locked away. We'll do picks for supers next week, but this is the official counter right now. We get, we get second chance picks. If,
1: uh, If things just go horribly awry.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, we got to have some kind of picks every week (laughs) in the show. I've got to find a way to mentally get over the hurdle of how badly you've beaten me in picks over the years. So (laughs) that'll help, hopefully. That's the NCAA tournament. Tom, what do you say we head home and get back to our Alabama-centric roots? Sounds like a plan to me. That's always my favorite. A great SEC tournament with some off the wall commentary because it'd been a while and the people were ready to just make the rash comments and decisions
1: Well, when you're in the midst of a 13 game win streak and something starts going somewhat wrong here
0: they come plus mailbag you have questions we have our thoughts not necessarily answers that'll be next as we get ready to head home here on the out of the box podcast Welcome back to the Out of Box Podcast. It's time to head home. Gray Robertson, Tom Canterbury. All right, you've been waiting. We're going to talk SEC tournament. We're going to discuss them off the wall, but we do have questions that people had. I opened up the mailbag for a bracket thoughts, questions, concerns, and we got a lot of responses. Many of them said why and what the hell, but we had actual questions too. Which, <laughs> by the way, to those we don't we don't have an answer. All right. So here we go. The first question, did the Big Ten's conference-only schedule? This is from Hannah, by the way. Hurt the conference's chances at landing more teams in the tournament? And what did you think about Carol Hutchins' comment about how the selection committee, quote, disrespected our entire conference with no Big Ten teams hosting regionals? My answer to the first part is absolutely. Conference-only totally hurt the conference. And I feel for the players because it wasn't up to them. The coaches, it wasn't up to them. They got screwed by the people in power. They made a decision that proved to be incorrect and cost the conference as a whole. Now, that being said, this could have been remedied a little bit if the committee had slid Michigan up to the 16, Texas shouldn't be hosting. I had Kentucky out. I see the reason why they're hosting. I didn't think they should be. You could have had Michigan be a number 16 overall seed and, you know, remedied a little bit of that. I feel like Michigan, and the Big Ten, as a whole, got punished for decisions that were out of their control. And in a weird year where the committee has said they were trying not to hold things against teams that were out of their control, the Big Ten had some things held against them that hurt them in the long run. They certainly were hampered by their, their schedule.
1: As far as disrespecting, I don't think it was necessarily a disrespect, but it was a punish for poor decisions. It was a, you know, this was a, the statement made that similar to what happened in football this year, when the Big Ten in football announced, hey, we're not going to have a season, and they just expected everyone to fall in line behind them, and only the Pac-12 did. But the, the people who were sane in the SEC and, and the Big 12 and the ACC said, let's hold on a minute. I don't think we have to shut everything down. And we ended up having a football season, and, and the Big Ten and Pac-12 Jumped back on, but it was too late by then. You know, It totally eliminated any chance that the Pac-12 had of of having a team in the college football playoff. And uh, the Big Ten had to change their rules multiple times to get Ohio State in. So I think they kind of thought the same thing was going to happen. I don't know why, but they thought the same thing was going to happen in the spring. They thought they were going to make their announcement, and everyone else was going to go along the same line, and everybody else didn't and it really it hurt them and like you said it wasn't the players fault it wasn't the team's fault it wasn't the coach's fault it was the higher-ups fault in the big 10 that that's what happened so they weren't i don't think they were disrespected but they were punished for poor decisions
0: thank you for the question hannah now we've got a question from at mac underscore value rich regional will be the toughest for the national seed to advance which regional do you think will have an upset I think we've already kind of answered this one i feel like the one we both feel uneasiest about is the Lexington Regional, although you do have Kentucky advancing from there. I have them advancing, but I, like you
1: said, I don't like it. I could very easily see uh, Notre Dame or Northwestern or Miami. Ohio. I could see all, anybody coming out of it. Uh, but when I wasn't sure, that's why I just went with the seeded team there and the home team. But we, I think we both agreed the Texas Regional is very ripe for an upset. The Arizona State Regional is a possibility and the LSU Regional. I think all those
0: are, are very much upset uh should be on upset alert that's for sure question from Corey: how many top eight seeds make it to okc as i do quick math i have six and tom you also have six i feel like that seems like a good number with some of the matchups we could see potentially in supers but i don't have the number one overall seed making it, so that, that's that's the difference six i feel like is a good number no- i'm gonna go ahead and say i think six of the top eight seeds will be in okc which is unclear but right <laughs> which is why they play the game that's exactly right that's why we're not already at okc we have to watch all this play out caitlin sides cummings this would be the sister of one kindle beth mm. who's in to ask do you think washington can upset oklahoma and supers you said they would i yes. think they can absolutely if gabby playing is hot washington can win this national championship as i was oh, running through the bracket <laughs> i know i'm being honest i was yeah. as i was running through yeah. the bracket you know if washington takes out oklahoma then the three other teams i would have on their side of the bracket in okc are missouri oklahoma state and florida yeah. that is a scenario where washington can get to the championship 100 yeah uh, it, it is it is certainly that way i will put down the purple and gold once they beat oklahoma Though they will no longer have my support you're quite predictable there, partner. I know. Even especially if they're opening against Missouri in OKC. Oh yeah, we're Ooh, going for Larissa. Uh, full on Larissa. Let's go. Question from at s mccormick four: Is it credible to say the Pac-12 was disrespected? Looking at the brackets, it looks like they were and have a legit argument. Uh, I'm an avid, but average fan. I'm not sure. And I'd like to know from a statistical point of view and two, which regional is the toughest draw. I think we agree on two. It is Lexington. Number one, Tom, I'm curious what you think about this because I think if anything, it wasn't the PAC 12 that was disrespected. It was more Arizona state and Washington compared to Arizona. I didn't feel like Arizona's resume was that much better to warrant being so much higher than those teams as a whole though. I understand why the PAC-12 is where they are. It's not their fault. A lot of the non-conference events they play in were canceled. So it's unfortunately just a byproduct of the COVID year. So I'm not sure I can throw disrespected out there. I'll say this. I would say if we're talking disrespect, the Big Ten has a better argument to use that word than the PAC-12 does.
1: Yeah, I don't know if disrespected is the right word either. I think they were misseeded in a few spots. Mm -hmm. uh, And you could say they're misseeded within the Pac-12 in a few spots. And I think it was also a byproduct of the SEC and the Big 12 being rewarded for playing a virtually normal schedule. The SEC, as much as they could, played tough non-conference games. They played a full regular season, only lost one game uh, in the regular season due to covid I think that they were kind of rewarded for trying to keep things as status quo as possible, plus having the best top to bottom league in the country. So I think they were rewarded for that. The PAC12, like you said, it got they kind of got uh, they were a victim of their circumstances at times uh, because of some of those tournaments getting canceled. Uh, but a team like Arizona did get rewarded for scheduling the trip out to Florida. Even though they didn't win a lot of the games, I think they got they did get credit for at least giving it a shot. I think the their the NCAA was trying to say, this committee was trying to say, why didn't UCLA do that? Why didn't Washington do that? There's that they could have they could have done it and they didn't. That's the only thing I can say for
0: it. I don't think disrespects the right word, but they were certainly uh, misseated at times. The final question comes from Bill Johnson. Which is, it's hilariously phrased. How can Duke be a higher seed than Washington? Which, yeah. I mean, again, this kind of goes back to the watch the games, eye test thing. I know, and Washington is such a tough team to avoid. With another pitcher in the circle, is Washington top 12 in the country? No. Is Washington top 16 in the country? Maybe, but... Maybe not. I mean, again, they had some bad losses this year, and all of them pretty much exclusively came with other starters in the circle. But at the same time, is Washington better than Duke? I think everyone in the country, if you gave them truth serum, would say yes. Again, this just kind of goes back to what the committee looks at. Why is Duke higher? I don't know. My answer to that is the committee is bad at their job. And that's kind of been my general uh,
1: statement throughout this entire thing no, Duke is not better than Washington and should not be ranked higher than Washington, should not be seated higher than Washington. And you're taking a look at some of those bad losses. You know, A lot of those happen in February for Washington. You know, How much are we punishing teams for a bad weekend in February when things were even more up in the air than they are now? I think we're right now, we're as stable as we've been since last February right now in the world and, you know, in protocols and and how things are are working out. I'm not saying we don't take into account what happened in February, but how are we waiting stuff happening in February to the level that they're causing a team to fall from a probably 11, 12 seed to a 16. I, I think that's a little bit overkill on that. And again, just watch the games. If, if Duke and Washington played right now on a neutral field, pretty much anyone would say, you know, two out of three, Washington's going to win. Yeah. So I just, I, 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 it kind of goes, there's two things there with Duke, especially, and it kind of brings up to another point. I think the committee weights conference tournaments too much. Mm -hmm. I think they should look at, yes, the conference tournaments gives you the automatic bid, but I think a regular season championship is more impressive than a tournament championship. And that should be looked at. I I think teams sometimes are rewarded too much for winning a champion, a conference champ, a tournament championship, over a regular season. And I know I'm saying that as the Alabama radio guys, and we just saw Alabama get a higher seed than both Florida and Arkansas. But I think Alabama is also being rewarded for having a 13-game win streak at the end of the year
0: and and a better overall resume for sure.
1: Right, and a better overall resume, but certainly, you know, the tournament was just part of the winning streak at the end of the year to where Alabama is playing better than either of those other two teams right now. It's not a 100% all the time situation, but man, do they look at those tournaments like they're the most important things ever when, you know, again, go back to the farcicalness of 2019, Alabama had swept Florida, lost the game 2-1 in the tournament, and Florida all of a sudden is a 5 seed, and Alabama is an 8. Makes no sense.
0: And if you don't think it's going to change, then Pac-12, get a tournament. I mean, yeah, get a conference yeah. tournament that has a lot of eyes on it. I mean, I Get watched your- the ACC tournament for the first time in my life this week, and that Duke-Clemson mm-hmm. final was compelling. And yeah. I can see why with Duke's pitching staff and how they played in the tournament. Again, I actually don't think Duke is that good, but they played well in the ACC tournament, and that probably factored in to them being as highly seated as they were. Get your network
1: network where it can be distributed in places other than random hotels where we've watched Pac-12
0: games this year. Yes. And my house somehow, I still don't know how we have the Pac-12 <laughs> network here. <laughs> I don't get it. Yeah. So that's uh, that's the mailbag. Thank you everybody for sending in your questions. And now Tom, let's kind of backtrack a bit, talk about the SEC tournament. First off, I would just like to say what an event. Congratulations to all the teams, all the coaches, to the Alabama staff that helped run it at Rhodes, to the SEC staff, Jill Skatarzak, Byron Hatch, Commissioner Greg Sankey, the whole crew. A fantastic event that was entertaining from start to finish. It was well run. Also, we had one game all year not happen because of COVID in conference play. It's incredible. So a testament to the entire league and everybody involved in making that happen. But this SEC tournament, Tom, was fantastic. Lots of great games and... Alabama's a big part of those. My goodness, this team went on a run. I can't even describe what we saw. What, what do you have to say? Yeah. I right, just, just, yeah, just looking at
1: some of the measurable things that we saw. We saw Bailey Hemphill with a three-home run tournament, which set the Alabama career record for home runs at 61, breaking a record held by Kelly Kretchman. And then we saw Montana Fouts in the circle break a record that had been held since 2002 with 39 strikeouts. And another record that had been had held since 2006 by Monica Abbott had throwing a complete game shutout in the championship game. So that's at the level that Alabama was playing at. And did it help that you're at home? Yeah, but there's not like there's a history of tournament hosts hosts going on runs like that. It, the only other team to do it was the 2012 Alabama team. No other host not only had never won it, had never made the conference championship game. So it's not like just because you have the home field advantage, it's an automatic, uh, here's the tra- trophy to you. So, I mean, Alabama playing as good as anybody in the nation right now, top to bottom. Uh, we mentioned it earlier, a player like Taylor Clark having a, a career weekend uh, to make it onto the all-tournament team. Kaylee Tao had a great weekend. Alexis Mack had a great weekend. Uh, up and down, everybody had at least one highlight or at least one game where they were just outstanding And that's how you do it. That's how you win a tournament that is as deep as an SEC tournament is a tournament that saw zero run rules in the entire tournament, which is another just amazing thing to talk
0: about. Every day, every day, there was at least one game that just had you roped in, you know, uh, day one, South Carolina Auburn was probably the most boring thing of the tournament. Maybe the other most boring game of the whole thing was Alabama, Florida, honestly, if we're really breaking down in terms of entertainment factor, but The first round, you had A&M Tennessee doing what they did. Mississippi State Ole Miss was compelling. The quarterfinals were awesome all day long. You won't find a more entertaining pitcher's duel than what you saw between Mary Half and Ashley Rogers in Tennessee, Arkansas. Missouri-Florida was one of the best games and best seventh innings I've ever seen, period. I mean, Mm -hmm. just compelling softball from start to finish. And for Alabama to do what they did with – all those teams playing as well as they were is really impressive. And I'm not sure we're going to see a run like that with the individual performances like we saw ever again in the SEC tournament. It's amazing. Cause we're talking about, we're in an age now where you have to have a pitching
1: staff and you have to have multiple elite pitchers to make runs like that. And Alabama went old school with it and just had one and just, just rode Montana Fouts and Montana Fouts, was better at the end of game three than she was at the beginning of game one, pitching on three straight days. It was amazing to watch Alabama face adversity, especially in that Tennessee game had the lead. The lady balls came back to take the lead in the top of the six, Alabama answers right back with one of the most clutch home runs from the person who just does clutch home runs. That's Bailey and thing. So she did that. So it's not shocking that she did it, but to see her just step up to that time and that spotlight the stars for Alabama really showed out uh, the entire week long. You're taking a look at the run that Alabama's on right now, 13 straight games with a win. Alabama has not trailed at the end of an inning in 86 innings That n- since the end of the Florida game, the second Florida game that they lost. So not only in the 13 games has Alabama won all 13, they have not trailed at the
0: end of the inning in any of those games. Never seen anything like it. Crazy. (laughs) Uh, It was just, it was so much fun. And I'm really proud of the whole team. I really, I, we don't talk enough about what Taylor Clark has done. We spent, I feel like we spent so much time talking about Savannah Woodard and rightfully so Savannah Woodard has been on an absolute tear has looked like a natural at second base that I think we forgot how good and how consistent Taylor Clark has been. And yeah, there have been some errors, but there were errors before, you know, Claire Jenkins would make an error. Sometimes Bailey Dowling, Mm -hmm led the team in errors before she got hurt. What Taylor Clark has done, really, the, the exclamation point was this past week. I thought her defense was spectacular all week long. It was good to see her get some clutch hits. And as Patrick Murphy said to the team after the selection show, it's going to come from everybody. If Alabama wants to accomplish their goals this year, it's going to have to come from everybody one through nine. Taylor Clark is going to be as big a part of that run as Bailey Hemphill, All right, This is a team that will have to win as a team because they are not the most talented of the uclas and oklahomas but man they're playing together they're playing for each other and they're playing in a way that makes them maybe more dangerous than those other teams so i'm really excited to see what this team can do here in the postseason and you know taylor clark what even
1: you know a month ago may have been a non-competitive at bat have become very competitive at bats. Mm-hmm. So you've seen the improvement, even in a fifth-year grad, you know, graduate transfer player like Taylor Clark. You're seeing the improvements from day to day and game to game, like we're seeing with Savannah Woodard from day to day and game to game. So it's just really fun to see everybody elevate their play to this level. Taylor Clark being being one but everyone is doing it. You know, we, we talked about
0: earlier, KB sides causing havoc on the base paths and helping Alabama score extra runs. KB sides, you know, not having the sec tournament that she wanted and yet maybe had the biggest impact of anyone on the team in that championship. I think she finished the sec tournament with one hit, maybe two. She wanted more than that, but she made do with what she had and it led to a just gigantic moment in that championship game, it set the tone. You know, mm-hmm. one nothing maybe doesn't stand up against Florida. Florida still feels belief there, but yeah. the havoc KB sides caused, I, I think, is what won Alabama the championship because Florida from that point was reeling. And right before that, you had Jenna Johnson as the as the cleanup batter, putting down a squeeze bunt, mm-hmm. a
1: perfect squeeze bunt down the third base line, scores a run. The execution. Alabama didn't allow the moment to become too big for them. And uh, it was just great to see up and down everybody contributing. Maddie Morgan contributed. Uh, Alyssa Brown, as always, is going to contribute. Alexis Mack doing what she does to get on base. You know, she, she beats out that play against Tennessee in the sixth inning by a quarter of a step to allow Bailey Hempel to come up with a chance to take the lead with a home run. And, and that's what happened. So uh, from top to bottom, everyone was doing what they had to do. And picking each other up, you know, Lexi to you know, had some bad luck when she came in, you know, Alabama was trailing after that in the top of the sixth inning, Montana fouls came back in the game, closed things out. And then the offense picked her up and you know, that's what you have to do. Everyone's not going
0: to always have their 100%, but everybody from top to bottom can help, help the next person. But even if they do go all the way, there's still going to be some crazy things said. So Tom, I am going to step aside because this is all you, partner. It's time for Off the Wall. We missed you. People would come up to us and say, I love the Off the Wall segment. We'd say, we don't, but, you know, we're glad that you get to get some enjoyment out of us roasting the people who say dumb things. Tom, please go ahead. Again, the stat I just said, Alabama hasn't trailed at the end of the inning for 13 games.
1: That's a a long time. That's a heck of a run. 13-game win streak, in which you haven't have not trailed Tennessee took the lead in the sixth inning uh, in the semifinals. You would think that Alabama just pulled themselves off the field and allowed Tennessee to score 10 runs and that the game was over uh, the way that the reaction was. I just, it's, it's similar to when in football, if Alabama is only winning by 14 at the half or Lord forbid, is trailing at halftime. The fans, they get to the point where previous games don't matter. History doesn't matter. How good this team is doesn't matter. This Something is going wrong, so the sky is falling, and let me run everyone down, including the probable pitcher of the week and hopefully pitcher of the year, Montana Fouts, the Hall of Fame head coach, national champion coach, Patrick Murphy, who doesn't need me to, to defend him. But my gosh, people! I, I just I don't understand the vitriol when one bad thing happens. It's usually Facebook. But if you go back through Facebook,
0: and kind of time it out to that time when Alabama was actually trailing, it's unbelievable to see what people say. Everyone was getting fired. All right. I'm surprised we weren't on the chopping block. We probably were. Oh, maybe maybe it's from the people that we blocked and we can't see what they're
1: saying. Yeah, Pat, uh, Stephanie Van Brakel pro throws calling all the wrong pitches. Forget about the fact that Montana Fouts is on her way to winning three straight games, but none of the pitchers that are being called are right. Alabama continue. The other one, I, I did see one specific one that says, why does Patrick Murphy continue to sack bunt Alexis Mack? She gets a sack if someone's on base and she gets thrown out. But the goal is not for her to get thrown out. The goal is when she bunts is for her to get on first base. That's not a called sack bunt. Because I don't know if you've noticed, that's what Alexis Mack does. She plays small ball and she beats it out. You know, every once in a while she'll muscle up and swing away, but she's a slapper and a buncher. Why is he calling a sack bunt? He's not calling a sack bunt. That's what Mack does. And that's what she's been doing all year. This is not a surprise. I think we should, in just a, another, say, this is not just an Alabama thing. We could invite our friend Brian Rice on to do an off the wall for what was said on the Tennessee uh, final score graphic after they played a heck of a game and a heck of an SEC tournament to get to the point where they were. I was was pretty blown away by what some people up on Rocky Top were
0: saying. I I, I was very confused as well. A lot of people were criticizing the weeklies for not bringing in Ashley Rogers as if she had not given her GD heart into every pitch that she had thrown the last two nights that were, by the way, not like – a small total of pitches. There were 174 against AM and I think it was 119, 113 against Arkansas. I mean, right. it was it was ridiculous. And if you watch the game, you could see that conversation was happening. And one of them, either Ashley Rogers, said, I don't think I can, or she gave an answer that Karen Weekly said, It's not worth it. We're gonna ride with Turner. That was why yeah. she did not come in. You we couldn't hear that conversation, but it's pretty easy to infer just from watching it on the monitor. I was, uh, I too was surprised at how Tennessee fans reacted, and also just to the Alabama point because I don't have a ton. I, I actually did a nice job looking away from the comments this week. Good but, job, good job. Yeah, it's very rare for me, but I will say, games are seven innings. All right. If something happens in the sixth, that does not mean the story of the game has been written. All right. <laughs> The game is not over. Ask Florida fans. Ask Missouri fans. These teams play with everything they've got the whole time. And something that happens in the third, fourth, or fifth inning is not going to dictate how that game is going to end. So quit saying this one is on Coach Murphy. This loss is already happening. You know, this loss is on the coaching staff when it's the sixth inning because it it isn't a loss yet. If you're going to complain, at least wait until the game's over and then start saying stuff.
1: And it's also so easy to be the armchair quarterback, the armchair coach, when you don't know all the situations of everybody on the team and and what is happening. Was it a tough position? Because obviously the thing that got the most discussion was bringing in Lexi Kilfoyle in the sixth inning. Was it a tough position to put Lexi Kilfoyle in? Yes, Mm -hmm. It, it, it was a tough position. But there is going to be nothing but tough positions for the rest of the year. So unless you were going to start Lexi Kilfoyle in that game, which you and I both talked about as a possibility, but once that decision was made, you're going to start with Montana Fouts. If Kilfoyle was going to pitch, it was probably going to be in a tough position. The, the stats don't show that she didn't really pitch that poorly. There were a couple of, of a ball up the middle, hit the actual base, like, you know, you know, the wild pitch. There, there were some things that happened that made it look worse than it was. But then you bring back in Montana, put out the fire, Bailey hits a home run, everything's fine. Is every decision made by Coach Murphy or any coach in, in America, the? is it always going to work 100%? No, because there's a winner and loser in every game. So so, so yeah, some coaches probably made a wrong decision at some point. Some uh,
0: coaches have made the right decisions and they still lose. Right.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you might have disagreed with the kill foil spot. Did you disagree with the suicide squeeze in the first inning against Florida? It worked. If Jenna Johnson doesn't get that bunt down and Alexis Smack is thrown out at home, are, are people railing on Patrick Murphy? Then I thought it was a great call, but it, 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 execution has to happen.
0: Uh, okay, that's off the wall. Anything you want to add before we uh, sign off? I I think that's I think that's it. I like, said so just let's be supportive. The team has earned it. This this team has fought through so much, a lot of which we've talked about, some of which we can't, but. There's been a lot that uh, this team has gone through and this is where we just buckle in. You know, this is the most fun time of the year. It's not going to be easy. It never is. It won't be easy for anybody. We were joking about Oklahoma running through Norman. They're going to face adversity at some point too. Everybody does. That's the point of the postseason. And I think this team is primed to thrive in those tough situations as well as any team could. I've, I've referenced it a lot this this
1: podcast but take a look at the men's basketball tournament this year everyone thought it was just going to be Gonzaga running through everything they never faced adversity true adversity throughout the year and then they ran into a, a Baylor team that just absolutely waxed them mm-hmm. uh, because they didn't know how to deal with adversity Alabama's learned how to deal with adversity all year long so that's not going to be an issue
0: are you ready this is this is the best time mm-hmm. of the year Tom stoked ready right to roll Oh, man. I would say thank you to our guests, but we had no guests. The show was us. Thank you to the committee for providing us with content. And thank you to you, the listeners out there, for sticking with us all year long. I don't know what the show schedule is going to be like for the next couple of weeks. You know, we'll see who we get. We'll see where we get. If Alabama, God forbid, got eliminated this week, then we would do our wrap-up show next week. Let's <laughs> not even discuss such a... Far-fetched thing. So, you know, just stay tuned. We'll tweet what's (laughs) happening. But we will have another show at some point, obviously, here in the season. And we hope we will continue on all the way to Oklahoma City, where we do that show from the practice facility, or maybe Cattleman's with Tara Henry. Who knows?
1: (laughs) I'm all for it either
0: way. And John Cena, apparently, is also coming. Like I said, I'm not buying his
1: steaks, because I think he's going to probably put away four or five of them. Honestly, if he's not buying ours, something's wrong. Yeah, but he, he gets paid a little bit more than we do. So come on, John Cena, stop being such a
0: cheapskate. So, anyway, Tom, from regionals, we will be taking pictures and tweeting. Well, maybe John Cena will tweet us. I don't know. But if that happens, the people can see it where on your account. Uh, on the Twitter, you can follow me at T Canterbury, R T
1: R C A N T E R B U R Y. And uh, I've retweeted a lot of the stuff from the Out of the Box podcast. Uh, Twitter account at out of the box underscore pod as we had we were able to pair our call and the GoPro footage with some of the great calls from the SEC tournament the great plays that this Alabama team was able to put through so
0: I've retweeted a lot of that stuff there uh, so follow the podcast follow me follow you and, and we'll get it rolling yep I'm at gray gray underscore Robertson again out of the box underscore pod for the show's account and I didn't get the call so I I'm not on TV, so I have nothing mm. to advertise in that regard. But that does mean the GoPro will be fully charged. We have our booth back. We have options for booths. So we'll yeah. see what that looks like. But either way, Tom, the people will hear the both of us on the radio. And where can they do that this weekend for the Tuscaloosa Regional? Well, you can hear us if you're in Tuscaloosa, at 93.3 FM over the air.
1: Also on praise933.com and the Praise app. They're available. Also, we're also available on TuneIn, SiriusXM, Sirius XM and got the word as well. We were on uh, 97.7, the zone in Huntsville this past weekend. Don't know the full schedule there, but we may get picked up in some of the other affiliates in and around uh, Tuscaloosa. So if you're in a city outside of Tuscaloosa, but you know, you have a, an affiliate of the Crimson Tides Force Network, you can check that out. We might be there throughout this run, hopefully all the way to Oklahoma city. Uh, but as always, The best place to go, if you're online and you can check it out, go to RollTide.com, the schedule page, and just click on that, and there's a link to live audio for each and every game. We'll be on, I believe it'll be at, uh, is it 5 o'clock on Friday? Yes. So we will be on the air at 4.50. It might be a little bit of extended pregame. We'll see what happens between uh, Clemson before us, but uh, we'll see what happens. Yeah.
0: Oh, extended pregame during the NCAA tournament? Sign
1: it's me possible. up. Let's go. Multiple, multiple
0: out-of-the-box scoreboard updates during that extended pregame. I think will happen. There's a lot of ways to listen, bottom line. So wherever you are in the world, whether it is in Japan, like previous listeners have said they're from, or across the street in the parking lot, you <laughs> don't a ticket, tune in. A lot of ways to do it. Absolutely, and we look
1: forward to it. We truly do thank everyone for listening not only to this podcast, too, but to any of our broadcasts that we bring you each and every Alabama Alabama softball game.
0: Oh, folks, buckle in; it's going to be a fun run. From our partner Tom Canterbury, I'm Gray Robertson. Again, thank you so much for listening. See you next time on the Out of Box Podcast.